I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast number 406. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy here. And as you maybe can see, no Johnny V tonight. It wasn't until just a few hours ago was it realized, or should I say reminded, that Johnny V wouldn't be joining tonight. So that leaves me all alone in my studio putting on the podcast. Maybe it's already a given, but no guarantees, all right? So I'm pressing all the buttons tonight. We're going to see how things go. And yeah, just keep your fingers crossed for both you and me. I've sent a message out to Simon Lazat, And uh, in fact, just a few moments ago, it looks like he got back to me. It says he's running a little bit late. So perfect. I'll have even more time alone, which was not really the plan, but we'll make it work. I've got a few things that we can cover and go over. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, I have to do a little of the housekeeping things that maybe normally I do while Johnny's pressing buttons. I want to double check that everything's good to go and that everything is live, that you guys can hear me and that everything that uh, sounds all right. So I'm the one man doing that test. So if you guys could put it in the comments, you're only seeing this. Well, if you're seeing this, it's only on YouTube. I'm not able to push it out to Facebook. I don't, there's some limited capabilities with the system that I'm working with. So uh, I just want to make sure that everything is good to go. Hopefully the volume's good. Hopefully everything checks out all right. And uh, we can then get going once I update a few things here on the back end. All right, I'm going to enter in a little bit of information. Again, hang with me just for a sec. I apologize. Put this out here. Yeah, we'll see if all these buttons work. I, 
I have no idea. All right, I got a few things. Um, as I'm uh, quickly going to try and check in on the board, Wes Warren says uh, he's out there. Tom McManus, Luke, appreciate it. Hello from Texas. And uh, Jim says, sounds great. So I appreciate that. Thank you to all of you guys uh, for giving me the, uh, the go-ahead here. I'm going to click on one more thing, and then I think I can be fully focused on all of this other stuff that I need to do. Maybe. If anybody takes Johnny V for granted, it's me. <laughs> All right. Click on this, and hopefully I can close that out, and I can bring this up for viewing purposes. All right. Again, welcome. Episode 406. We're going to have Simon Lazat uh, when he's all situated. I think it's a big dart night maybe for him something specific that he has going on typically on tuesday night so he said once he's done with that he's going to be able to join us thank goodness i randomly made a few notes a little bit earlier today one of the notes and normally i don't do that so full disclaimer there um one of the notes that i had out here happy birthday to one of the just greatest humans that i've ever met through disc golf and he's been a host uh, he's been a volunteer. He's been a tournament director. He's been a player. He's done so many different things. And maybe most graciously to me, at least, he's always been just such a huge supporter and a fan through and through and a good friend. And that's Bill Sherman. So, Bill, I think you're even happy to be out on the board. And I want to say happy birthday to you, buddy. It's been 2007 was the year that we met here in Milwaukee. And throughout all these years, whether he lived in California and now has moved to Florida, throughout all these years, uh, Bill Sherman's always been an incredible human. So happy birthday to you, buddy. All right. So I'm going to get started with a few things from the Portland Open uh, until we get Simon. It makes perfect sense, actually, for us to recap what we saw on the FPO side. And if you didn't notice, there was a stomping. There was a beatdown. And it was put on by none other than Valerie Mundahano. And just an incredible effort from her this weekend. As many have said, it just looked like she never let her foot off the gas. Just when you were thinking, okay, can she keep up this pace? Will she continue to play the way she is? Everything seems to be going well for her. Well, she did keep it up. And congratulations, Valerie, your champion. She shot 20 under par. And that is a nine-stroke margin of victory. And not only does this say so much about Valerie and the year that she's having, the confidence that she's instilled, the skills that she's obviously put together. But it also says, hey, I can win in a place like Waco, which is known for the beast, the course that it is, known for the tight wooded lines for at least half the course, known for the high winds, and plays in that style of a course and then comes out to these two courses that we saw in Portland, which were very different uh, from what she you would see over in Waco and still performs the way she did. So I think that's really just solidifying. Not that I ever really questioned if she had an all-around game, but if anybody was questioning that, I think this weekend certainly put that to rest. And also, it it, I don't want to say validates, but it continues to uh, add on to 
what we saw from her in Waco and that Waco wasn't a fluke. Waco wasn't, oh, she had a good weekend and, you know, who knows where, her, you know, she's going to continue to go. She is now just building on that. And I believe she has, I don't even have to look, I'm, well, I will, but I think she has 30 some wins in the pro division, in the women's division, uh, maybe, or maybe it's 30 wins to her name. She's got 46 career wins out of 105 events. In terms of FPO wins, though, I want to say, yeah, it looks like somewhere in the 20 to 25, maybe even 30 now. So clearly she can go out there and get it done. Before this year, we saw her, you know, with her biggest victories being A tiers and now um, taking down the two events that she has. Uh, it has just been absolutely incredible to elite series events. So congratulations to Valerie. Now, maybe also in somewhat surprising news, Owen Scoggins, and not because Owen isn't good and, and credit where credit's due, but when you think about the courses that are out there, again, you don't think, oh, Owen Scoggins, she's definitely going to be in the top couple of spots. I guess either just proving that the course is weren't just about the distance or proving that own can get it done in all the other ways that she can make up for any distance she doesn't bring to the table whatever the case might be own scoggins a very solid showing a very solid performance i know at one point during the broadcast we saw katrina allen tapping in for her world championship victory out there at blue lake and that was i believe the first time i'd ever really seen own was during that week and she finished, what was it, second at the Worlds that year, second or third? And that was my first introduction to OWN, was 2014. And then she kind of went either off the radar or didn't play as much and wasn't around quite as much for a few years. And now we've seen her jump back in in the last couple of years, and everyone's like, oh, who is this woman? I knew OWN from Worlds 2014, and so to see her do what she's doing now doesn't surprise me. It's just that much more impressive knowing she's not doing it with a long arm and she's now in an age-protected division or is eligible to play in an age-protected division. So pretty awesome for Owen and uh, solid performance out there for her. As you continue to look down the leaderboard, I'm going to try and scroll back. I don't want to screw anything up here more than normal. Uh, Taking a look at any statistics that really jump out real quick. The C1X putts uh, that are coming out of uh, Valerie, certainly very impressive. Circle 2 in regulation, she led the division. Fairway hits, she led the division. And then birdie percentage at 46 led the division. Just, uh, you know, you think about her first round and how she kind of closed out at Blue Lake. I think that was, what, six birdies in a row? And then turned around and, and came back out. Not quite as hot during the second round, but still very impressive. She had no problems collecting birdies out on the course. Excuse me, the two courses this weekend. All right. We're going to scroll down, though, past what she had done. Uh, as I said, Owen Scoggins in second. Katrina Allen had quite an up-and-down weekend from what I could see. Uh, looks like she really powered through on a few of the rounds, but then struggled on a few of the other rounds. Katrina Allen ultimately walking away in third place at her 10-under. Missy Gannon in a tie for fourth along with Paige Pierce and Rebecca Cox. So uh, they all shot six under. It, I know it's four rounds. But anytime you have a player that can say, I bested Paige Pierce by 14 over a four-round four event or 
or even nine over just second place in own Scoggins. Very impressive. And, and 10 Valerie had over Katrina Allen. So just an all around really impressive weekend out there for what Valerie was doing and uh, just can't say enough about it. All right. I will see uh, as I scroll down. And uh, one thing that I did like, and I'd love to get feedback from you guys. We saw a cut. You know, for starters, we had the four rounds, which is not necessarily commonplace, but then we saw a cut to that fourth round, which should have all been to paid positions. And I guess I'm wondering is if you guys like that or not. Is that something that you personally um, are a fan of? Do you enjoy seeing that? Do you enjoy seeing the four rounds and then a third with a lesser field? Or if there is four rounds that are offered, do you like seeing all four of those rounds for all of the players? That that's something that I would that I would ask you guys. <laughs> I, I know I've ranted, I've soapboxed before as to how I feel about four rounds, but I'd love to know what you guys think uh, in terms of having the three versus the four rounds. So, um, yeah, go ahead and let me know. I don't know if I can follow that along in the comments with everything else I'm doing, but um, that's something that I'd. Uh, is a continued conversation piece. We're going to see four rounds at Ledgestone, and then we're going to see four rounds taking place at Maple Hill, and also four rounds taking place out at uh, Smuggler's Notch. And I know many people would say, especially when you look at Maple, I'm sorry, when you look at Ledgestone and you look at Smuggler's Notch, they have two very distinct sets of courses. You have the Northwood Black, which is very tight, very wooded, very long, punishing. And then you have a much more open, but still challenging Eureka Temp course. And so you get two rounds of both. Out at Smuggler's Notch, you have two rounds at Brewster Ridge. Brewster's, Brewster, I, I can never remember. And then two, run, uh, two rounds at Fox Run Meadows. I understand the the opportunities and the evening out and the two very distinct courses, and that's why you play two at one and then you play two at another. I understand that. But then you also sandwich in there an event like Maple Hill, which just has four rounds all at one course. And that's more in the end of our season. That's more in this kind of playoff scenario. And not everybody gets a chance to play in, in those last couple of events. I get it. As the season wears on, I guess I can understand it a little bit more, but yeah, I'm curious to know what you guys think. Um, four rounds, generally, we see for majors. This year, the World Championships, I believe, is going to be five rounds, which I'm 100% behind. Um, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting conversation. All right. Looks like we got some more people out there on the board. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And uh, if I hear from Simon here in a little bit, uh, we'll see if we can get him on. Johnny V <laughs> is down in Houston. I, I said that earlier. And then he had to go out and pick up a couple of discs because he had to go out and I think pwn some noobs is what the phrase was that he used on the internet earlier today. And I'd like to know how Johnny did in the in the league round. 
Um, <laughs> we'll see about that. Hey, I wonder if I could send Johnny an invite. If Johnny's available, maybe we could get him. Johnny, you could be my test guest. I'm not saying you're less important than Simon Lazat, but maybe you could be my test guest. If give me a, a heads up or something, and maybe I can bring you on until we get Simon here. We got to hear all about your league round down in Texas. All right. Um, Paige Pierce, I said, Rebecca Cox, they tied for fourth. We're going to round at the top 10. Cap Merch finished in seventh. Maria Oliva finished in eighth. And then Juliana Corver and Natalie Ryan both finishing in a tie for ninth. Again, Juliana Corver, you know, one of the comments that I heard her say before the event was that she didn't feel like she was a slouch, so to speak. I'll, I'll paraphrase. She wasn't a slouch when it came to her distance and felt like she was right there and can be competitive with, with many of her women. Now, she knows she doesn't throw as far as our longest throwers necessarily, but it's awesome to see that confidence and awesome to see uh, her out there being very competitive, especially these last few weekends. I mean, um, you know, you look at some of our longest throwers, they're actually a few of them are kind of bunched up right in that in that kind of general area of finishing this weekend. You have Natalie Ryan, Jennifer Allen, and Ella Hansen right there, three of the longest throwers in our game. And they all finish within a stroke or, or two of each other, ninth, eleventh, and twelfth this weekend. All right. So congrats to everyone that made the fourth round making the cut, getting paid, all of that good stuff. I think something else that's pretty incredible that I can touch on is the payout. There was an announcement, I want to say mid-tournament or early on in the tournament, that talked about uh, the added cash that was going to be brought into the event, and that might have something to do with additional support and it being a four-round event and everything else that goes along with it. I'm, I'm not sure where that money what money tree that was shaken, but it sounds like a good one. Valerie ended up with $5,000 for her efforts. Owen Scoggins, $3,500. Katrina Allen, $2,500. Missy Page and Rebecca, each with $1,750. And then your your last cash spots, uh, all the way down to 22nd, Alex Benson taking home $400. So roughly about, I think that's exactly twice the entry fee that was paid to get into the event. So that certainly says something. All right. Johnny V says he can call in and he says he likes the lighting. I, I don't know which one of those I should take serious, but Johnny, I'm going to send, I'm going to send, and it wouldn't be a podcast at my house if we didn't quickly. <laughs> hi, Mackenzie. Oh, hi, Terry. How are you on this fine evening? I, I am good. So this is my 11 year old Mackenzie. I see you've gotten yourself a media badge. And what's the other side of that badge say? Kenzie should enter. No, I think it says on air. So anything, if you talk right into this mic, anything you want to share with the world out there? I should not be sleeping. School should be over by now. They should not give out homework this late in the school year. Um... Invite me to some disc golf <laughs> tournaments, please. Especially if they have cake. If there's cake, ice cream, uh-huh. too. Yep. Uh, you, Maple Hills, our place. Sounds like you need to come back there. We brought a cake to your birthday when Rocky Mountain Women's. Yes, at the Rocky Mountain Women's. Um, yes, that was amazing? incredible because yep. that took place during my uh-huh. birthday. All right. Okay, you're gonna sign off. You're gonna go to bed. 
uh, the first one, but maybe probably not the second one. Keep your eyes open, buddy. Love you. All right. There. All of my viewers. Um, like, share, and subscribe to Kenzie. Yep. You have like nine Instagram accounts. I couldn't figure out which I one to tag you in. One, two of them, because one of them got suspended. All right. Good night. Goodbye. I'm going to send Johnny V the Ooh, link. Johnny, let me figure out the easiest way to do this for you, and we'll see if we can get you in. Not that my guest, Mackenzie, here couldn't just do the job, but let's send you. The... amazing co-host. You think so? Uh-huh. Probably like me. You'd have to talk more about disc golf. You you can't just kind of ramble. This is a frisbee. Oh, today we had a field day and I hit three kids with frisbees. <laughs> with frisbees or discs? Like they were like plastic crappy ones. Okay. So huh. I'd say frisbees. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna see if we can get Johnny V here on the board. Um <laughs> I've sent Johnny a message. We'll see if uh, he can get up here and get loaded up as well. Is he in Texas with his old family? Or just no, family? he's just in Texas uh, doing well, what should have been work, although that didn't go so well for him today. But we'll get that story from him in a moment. And Simon Lazat coming? Is that who you said? Yes, yeah, Simon Lazat's going to be the guest. Don't you have a nickname for him? Samantha. Samantha, yeah. And where did that come from? Yeah. I see you, Johnny. All right. So we're going to click on a button. Um, I don't know what I got to click on, Johnny. Let's see if I can. Let me click on this. Johnny V maybe will join. Hey. I'm here. There we go. Now now you're officially brought in. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> glad I can be part of my podcast. It's nice. Hi, Kenzie. How are you doing? I can't hear you good. I am. <laughs> he, He's, I'm uh, in Houston right now doing. at Torchy's Tacos. So, all right, let's Whoa. let's start there. Let's start there. Bobby Brown and many others have yeah. talked the hype of Torchy's, and believe it or not, I've never been to one. So, because it's delicious, it, yeah, it it's a staple within the disc golf community. Tell us about it, Johnny. I mean, it's just a taco. It's a good taco place with a bar. That's that's the event. So I got myself a, uh, a margarita. And I have three trailer park tacos, extra trashy. Okay. Can't go wrong. And that's with that. a thing, or is is that by your distinction or theirs? No, that's their distinction. So they're called trailer <laughs> park tacos, and when you get them trashy, they come with cheese and no lettuce. Okay. So it's okay. basically it's basically chicken, cheese, uh, like a uh, a red pepper, and then I put some of this green sauce on it we got onions and whatnot so it's, it's pretty delicious all right so uh for those that are wondering because of course this is about as reversed as it could ever possibly be is that i'm in milwaukee and you're on the road uh those that are wondering and i'm in charge yeah i'm pressing the <laughs> buttons um what 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 are you doing in texas and how did the day go um it was a a mess uh, i'm in texas i'm in houston technically cyprus for a work move, we're moving from one office to another. I get down here, and we were going to move a week ago, but it got pushed back a week. I get down here, and it turns out that our building, the management company that runs the building, did not get the power put in and neglected to tell anyone from our side of the company. So I showed up to a building that doesn't have power, doesn't even have a power meter installed in it yet, might not be there for another week. 
And so work basically just paid for a small mini Texas vacation for me. Yeah, I feel like it would be difficult to have internet if you don't have power. Yeah, it, it makes it very difficult <laughs> to not have any power or internet. So, so we can't move our people until we get power because they can't get internet. And then we can't move our equipment. It was, I've done probably 80 to 80 some of these moves and installs. And this is the, the biggest mess we've seen. Um, they were supposed to have this all done a week ago and it just didn't, it just didn't happen. So, and nobody notified us, which was the worst part. We expected it. We just thought it was done uh, and made all of our plans around it. So we just now canceled all of our furniture move, all of our computer install, uh, all the copier moving, because we got two giant copiers, all that jazz I normally take care of. We had to cancel it all. And I'm enjoying a hundred degree Texas weather. Yeah. And I was just going to say, you look a little bit, you look steamy. Uh, oh. temperatures here are gorgeous. They're in the, the mid to low, mid to high sixties. And, uh, so you bought some discs and played golf today. I did actually. Cause when, when I found out I was going to be here for two days with really nothing to do, I mean, I'm working remote during the days, but normally I would work at night when the employees aren't there moving all the equipment. So now I've got my nights free. And so the first thing I did was check and see if there were any concerts to go to in Houston and that I would enjoy. And there, there weren't, um, there is the. The, the one guy, I'm trying to think. Do you, Terry, do you know the name of the rapper that uh, Macbeth loves? Um, I'm trying to think F of his name. N-T, F-T, A-T. Something like that. I think he's playing tonight here in Houston, but I wasn't. It's not my style. But So he's uh, playing tonight, and that's about it. So the, the next thing I thought is, well, maybe I'll go see a movie. Because I didn't bring any discs, by the way. It's, I didn't expect to have time to play. And then and there wasn't really any movies I wanted to see. So then finally, last resort, I went, opened up U-Disc. And there was a league 15 minutes up the road from my hotel. And I thought, well, someone there's going to be selling discs, right? I'll go get some discs. So I drove up to Zuba Park. Z-U-B-A. Zuba Park. Yeah, yeah. and you, <laughs> it's all too I, I'm, obvious. You have to buy a pair of pants you, first, right? You've got to buy a pair of striped pants. Yeah, yeah the Zubas. Um no, and the park is, uh, I mean, it's a nice park. It's a Texas-style, uh, kind of a park-style golf. Most of the holes are uh, 250, anywhere from 210 to 300. There's probably two, no, I think there's three of them that are over 400, and that's about it. So I bought two discs from the local guy out of his car, on the down low, of course, because... He, he was know, permitted. He had permits. Yeah, I'm sure he had You saw permit. his seller's permit, right? Yeah, 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 sure he did, sure he did. Um, and so... I bought, he had, dis, he asked me, what do I, what do I want to throw? And I thought, well, if everything here is mostly under 300, I just need a mid range, kind of like a buzz and a putter, maybe like a deputy. And he's like, well, I don't have anything like a deputy. The, what I have is a uh, sensei and mm -hmm. which is a putter. And it's a little more stable yep. than the, than the deputy. And then their mid range, which was a, a mortar, not a mortar. It starts with an M. Uh, a method. Method, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm like Method Man. And then I, I joined up with a group of four guys, three of which, now, it felt like everybody there was playing music. It's that kind of league. Mm, pretty casual. Every group, every group has the has the music guy. I was fortunate that I did not get put in the in the league or in the group with the uh, kid rock music, and instead I got the guy who is uh, one year older than me. And was playing all '90s uh, alternative for the most part. It was great. Wow, that couldn't uh, have went much better for you. Could not have gone much better. I had no clue when when the guy just walked up. And he's like, "Hey, you want to shoot with us?" And I was like, "Okay, no problem. I will." Uh, and normally the leagues that we've played in, we've never really had music going 
um, for things that you've done. But mm -hmm. then again, this, I mean, this little, so I, I took these two discs and I borrowed a getaway from a gentleman because some of the, some of them are a little longer. And I, at one point I borrowed an escape for two holes. Okay. I, and I shot, I did not have a bogey. Technically on our last hole is a par four and I took a four on it. Although it's like 650 feet. And okay. I didn't know, uh, I should have thrown a different disc. I think I could have taken a three on it without much problem, but I, I, I picked the wrong piece of plastic to throw. I threw the escape, it flipped over, kind of caught a tree at about 220, got up and down from there for a four. I shot seven under par, six under par, seven under par for third place. And Dang, I, didn't, I missed winger. I missed one. I, I played advanced, by the way. Um, oh. Not no, not because I talked to some guys. I'm like, well, what do the pros usually shoot out here? And they said the pros usually will shoot anywhere from 10 to 12, but we've got these two guys who are kind of ringers, and they'll shoot sometimes a 16. And I'm like, out here? A 16 would be phenomenal. Um, and he's like, yeah, that's kind of what, you know, he's shot in that a couple times. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll play advanced because I haven't thrown a disc this year yet. And I, I literally missed one. You get one mulligan as well. You get oh, one mulligan. I like that. I like that. I, yeah, it, it was great because I used a mulligan on a 30-footer slight downhill where I, I literally threw it right to the ground because it was a little headwind. And I came back and I used it and I got it. So I, I did not waste my mulligan. Yeah, and I shot like a six or seven under for third place. I paid $18 to play and I won 20 $2. Man, disc golf, that is the D definition D disc of golf disc golf rich. rich. That is disc golf rich for you. It was a nice park. Like I said, pretty much wide open. I didn't really have to. There was maybe two holes where I felt like a turnover would have been appropriate. Maybe two holes where I where I thought I could have used a different disc in my bag. Something was a little flippy and not brand new out of the box. But other than that, I was really just there to have fun. All right. Well, nice work. Now, uh, was this a sanctioned league? No, it must not have been, obviously. Never mind. You had no, mulligans. <laughs> no, but for the first time ever we uh, that I've been involved in, we used U-Disc for our league. Ah, okay. And and the one guy's like, so everyone's standing there, and I don't know anybody. One guy's like, hey, do you want to do U-Disc to another another guy? And he's like, yeah, I would, but I don't get really good signal out here. Another guy's like, yeah, my phone's on. And so I got like 10%, and I had a spare battery with me in my pocket, like a little extra one. I'm like, I can do it. I don't know anybody, but I'll just call out names. It's not difficult. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I went into UDISC and I, I signed up for their league, checked in, added everyone to the list, and it was easy as cake. Once I finally turned off, I went through one hole with detailed scoring, and I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. There's not a yeah. cold chance I'm doing this because I'm not keeping up with it and I'm not asking them. So I had to go into the settings and turn that off. Uh, so it's just scoring, and then it was great. It was super Would you have considered doing detailed scoring so to speak for just yourself i thought about it because you have three options you've got detailed just for yourself you've got uh just standard and then you've got detailed for everybody i thought about doing detailed for myself but i just thought it would be easier not knowing the course not knowing anything about it when i walked up i didn't i threw three or four practice shots before i went out on the course and i didn't know like i said half the time i was kind of running 20 feet left or right to find out where the basket was if I couldn't see it. Most of them you can see, though, from the tee, so it's not too bad. But uh, right. I thought about doing detailed, and I kind of wish I would have because I had a couple of really good drives, and like I said, I missed one I missed one putt inside of the circle, which I was very impressed with. So, And who who is doing the coverage here? That's what everybody in the comments wants to know. Uh, who's doing the, uh, You can find the coverage on uh, Veridisc. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so you can, if you look up Veridisc, they they've got all the coverage. Just Google their, uh, yeah, their YouTube page. Veridisc. All right. All right. That's that's all it takes. All right. So, well, you're saying that I'm going to make a quick post to Facebook as we continue to stall a little bit. I think uh, Simon's yeah. going to be joining us here uh, again. You were switching the show this weekend, and at I least was. from the, I, I quickly covered obviously the FPO perspective. Is there anything you want to add? As I didn't get a chance to watch most of it, is there anything you want to add, or any insight you want to provide regarding the FPO perspective this last weekend? From the FPL perspective, it was just a dominant performance by Mondahano. I don't know what that says. It's very small for me, so sorry, Ken's. Um, <laughs> uh, she never took her foot off the gas, and I, I was kind of talking, joking in the uh, in our little control room chat. At one point, she was standing on the the tee box, waiting, like doing her nails, like picking at something on her nails. <laughs> Not like doing her nails, but I was gonna say, is that like the ultimate flex? Like I'm so bored, I'm just, I'm just gonna and do my nails. All I, all I kept joking was, was like she's just busy cleaning the blood off of her hands because she's, it's a massacre. She just Whoa. didn't let, she didn't let up. She, she never once laid up. I felt like she just went at every hole, at every, she attacked at every opportunity, and I guess when you go into the final round up by like eight strokes or nine, whatever it was that she mm -hmm. went in there with. I think it was eight. At some point, you know you have it. Why not keep going? And it just worked out for her. She just kept pushing. I, I jokingly said that she didn't just have her foot on their throats, that she just more or less did a big leg like Hulk Hogan and knocked out her opponents, every one of them. They did not have a chance to, to ever sniff a victory. So uh, congratulations to her because she, she shows that she is – I don't know if I can put her in tier one FPO yet, but she's the top of tier two. If not, there's there's nobody else that that is that is touching her in that tier. I mean, you still kind of have Cat Page and uh, and uh, Tatar up in that tier one, where when they're having their days, I don't think you can beat them. I wouldn't say the same thing about Mondahano yet, but I mean, it, it it was it's not far off. If she can put down one another performance like this you almost have to put her into that top tier. Just the way she, she's so consistent and she's so accurate and she's got just a solid putt. There's, there's almost nothing flashy about her throws. You know, she's got a, enough distance. I think, I think if she could add 50 to 70 feet, she would be elite, just hands down. I think she's just missing a little bit of that distance that some of the other women can pull out to get in front of her. But she didn't need it the way she played. She did not need it. Yeah, and as what the board is saying, and then of course what we saw a little bit on new disc, clearly her putting was just lights out throughout the weekend um, overall, which is incredible. wire to wire. Yeah, yeah, awesome. wire to wire. Awesome. It, it's uh, it, it was a pleasure to watch. She, uh, we, this is like one of the first I feel like FPO battles that was almost a little bit boring at the end that didn't come back to 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 make it exciting. And instead, we went the other way, and MPO was way more exciting, which it hasn't been recently. Yeah, so, so let's touch on that. Simon just messaged. Yeah. He said he'll, he'll be home in 10 minutes. Um, okay. So let's touch on, let's talk about the MPO, and then I'll get Simon's perspective uh, once he joins me. But what, 
what did you see in in MPO this weekend? You know, what were some of the stories that maybe weren't quite so obvious, or the story um, that wasn't Simon and and Girthy? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, it, it real, I mean, it was those two. There there wasn't much. There wasn't much exciting other than those two. It felt like, I mean, going into that final round, it was basically. I think it was a it was a it was a three person race, and the who was the third person on the card that, w- that had a chance to win? Um, Robinson Burr uh, wasn't Macbeth was up there, right? Yeah, Macbeth. Macbeth came in, and you kind of, and granted, Robinson was was right there with Macbeth, but it's it's hard to Robinson's still pretty green, so it was really tough to to, to put him in that perspective, and you kind of just thought like, all right, this is going to probably come down to Simon, maybe Double G and Macbeth, but right out of the gates, Macbeth throws it OB. And puts himself in a hole. I think he ends up getting the par. Yeah, he did. On, on, mm-hmm. on hole one. But he went OB. And he was just off. Honestly, his putting just looked bad. He missed so many putts low, I felt. And he, he just wasn't he wasn't on point like he was on some of the other days. And so if you want to take something from that round, it might be the fact that Macbeth had opportunities. And I don't know if he would have caught Simon with the way Simon was throwing and the way Double G was throwing. He was just maybe a little too far behind. But he never gave it a chance. He just, his putting was off and he wasn't quite pinpoint like he needed to be. He was leaving himself though. He left himself those 30 footers and and 25 footers that he just put into the front of the basket. And you could see he was a little frustrated. And it was the, the you know, the weather wasn't great. We, we saw, you know, we saw Portland weather. We truly saw some Portland weather. Uh, the women lucked out and got almost no rain. The men were not so fortunate. They had some on and off rain and it, it just, you know, so if you want to take something other than double G and Simon, I hate to go to the easy Macbeth story, but, but he's, he's the story. I think the other story, honestly, is uh, Cole Ridalin, Yeah. who I had said, I dislike that guy. He is young. He's attractive. <laughs> he throws far. He's good at disc golf. He's everything I'm not. Yeah, I don't like or him. ever could be. <laughs> no, um, he, and he seems like he's a nice guy, which I'm not. So <laughs> yeah, he, yes, he's that as well. You're right, uh, exactly. Like you, you know how 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 can you like a person like that? I don't understand. So yeah. Cole showed really flashes of greatness. He has a cannon, an absolute cannon, and if he can just dial in some of his putting and approaching, he's going to be on. He's going to be. A force to be reckoned with over the next two to three years. He he is where Eagle was three to four years ago. That is that is a kind of a perfect analogy. That you know maybe it's more forty four years ago where Eagle was, where he was just kind of you knew he was going to be something. You just had to wait, and that is kind of that that that's Cole in a nutshell. He is going to be a solid player, and if he keeps it up, he will be uh, he will be. Un- I don't want to say unstoppable because I don't believe anyone is unstoppable, but he'll be up there in those top 10, top five finishes. Um, Gannon Burr continues to shoot well. Being yeah. 17 years old, another, I think he took fifth, fourth, top five. Uh, he took, yeah, he took fourth, uh, moved up four spots in the final round to take fourth. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I look at it. What's interesting to me is, and just purely reading off a of U disc right now, you look at your top finishers in the tournament, and all of them were two, three, or four under through the first six holes, first five or yeah. six holes. Macbeth 
was even. Albert Tom, who felt who um, you know moved up three spots overall only because he had a great back nine, he was one over through that stretch. Adam Hammis just two under. So it it seemed like the players that jumped off to that early hot start kind of then continued to roll with it. Yeah. And you know people picked up some birdies, of course, in the back, but getting that hot start and you, I mean you said it perfectly. You know you have yeah you have yeah. to jump on that course early if you want to continue to make a push. It's very difficult to make a push on that back nine. It can be done, but it's a lot more difficult. If you can get those front, you know, if you can get three out of those first five, I think that's where you need to be. Yeah, and I, I continue to look down, and it certainly seems like there's a middle section of the course. Holes 7 through 11 feel like damn near everybody birdied them. I mean, that is where the scoring needed to happen as I'm just scrolling up and down. Yeah, uh, yeah you're not making up any ground there because everybody's birdying. Yeah, that that seems like the place, though, to go out and get them. I mean, I look at a, you look at someone like Sexton, Aderhold, Heimberg, um, all three of those guys uh, put five birdies together in a row. Garrett Gerthy, all four of those guys birdied five holes in a row. There's something to be said about going out and attacking during that middle section for sure. And, and that's certainly what those guys did. So pretty cool. All right. Well, it looks like we're going to have Simon in just a few minutes. I don't think I can click buttons that may or may not get both of you here. No, I, that's fine. I need to eat my tacos here. Yeah, so, you do. Um, you can downgrade to Simon. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> I know. I know. It feels Simon, like a I'm guessing Simon didn't shoot six under par today. No, he probably just beat somebody badly in darts um, uh, because he was because he was sick of winning disc golf. So then he has to go beat other people <laughs> in other games, other games that involve throwing. Is there a throwing game, a game that involves throwing anything that you could beat Simon in? Throwing. Anything throwing. Maybe jarts? Lawn jarts? Yeah, probably not. But okay. Maybe. Maybe. Only because I mean, he's know. probably never done it. That, that's hey, that's a that's a that's a sign for me, my friend. Um <laughs> Other than that, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'm trying to think of other throwing games. Unfortunately, I think that, that yeah, the chances are pretty pretty slim. Well, here's what I'll say: even Jarts, I could probably get him the first game or two, but once he gets once he understands, he'll it, figure he's it out. Take me. Let's, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Well, we'll have to see if we can find some metal tip Jarts, uh, lawn Jarts for him. That might be outlawed, but I'm sure we could find they, some. They somewhere. are. You, you cannot buy them anymore. But my in-laws have a have two sets of them. In their uh, in their garage, so we play we play with the kids and everything uh, every summer. <laughs> well, uh, I won't report that to anybody. All right, Johnny. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, no uh, enjoy your trip. Enjoy your tacos, and uh, we'll catch you uh, when you get back. Travel safely. All right, we'll do. I'll guess talk to you guys later. All right, see ya. Bye. All right, let's see. Holy cow! I even actually clicked the correct button to uh, get rid of Johnny V. So. Wait just a few more minutes, and hopefully we'll have Simon. I feel like I'm really teasing you guys out. Simon even had said he wanted to get home and get on right away, and he was actually going to be home a half hour before the show started. So I'm like, cool. The second we open the show, we'll get right to you, and then you can move on with your night. And, um, well, his his schedule has changed. So just know I'm certainly not teasing you guys out by uh, having the likes of Johnny join instead of Simon. But 
Um, I'm going to read a few things off of the board and see if there's any comments. Um, Galactic Conqueror had said, I'd like to see more Zoe and Ike on the FPO coverage. I believe this weekend there, there was, I don't want to call it a luxury. They had uh, the, the combo, though, of both uh, Brian Earhart and Zoe Andike. Zoe, of course, with, well, maybe not, of course, I don't want to say that. Zoe with the FPO, and I believe Brian was exclusively with MPO. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, again, I watched literally just a few minutes of the overall broadcast. I had a bunch of other things going on, and, and there's this weird thing about consuming disc golf media that I'm not involved in. It it feels very strange. Let me uh, assure you of that because I'm usually there or involved in some way. Um, but to have both of them out in the field, hopefully that went really well. Hopefully the technology uh, worked well with everyone because you know we know being out in the field sometimes adds an additional challenge or two. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if we could continue to have both of them um, out there. I know from a personal standpoint, I'll quickly share this weekend, I, or my channel, the disc golf guy has been contracted to go help the PDGA and I'll be helping cover the United States amateur disc golf championship. So the USADGC taking place over at the famed toboggan course, I'll be over there with that event. Me and a couple other guys will be covering your feature and then lead card for the USADGC, a huge milestone or stepping stone potentially in any uh, player's career on an amateur side and looking forward to helping with that and at the same time we're going to see the beaver state fling taking place that's going to be happening obviously out at milo mciver one of the most you know iconic and and beloved courses and facilities anywhere in the world uh, i can attest to that myself not only covering but also playing there throughout the years and that's going to be taking place. The Silver Series, they also just announced that for the first time ever, due to increased signal, uh, lots of expensive equipment, and and a number of things, uh, including you know crossing your fingers and toes, it looks like the final round of that Silver Series event is going to also then be offered up live. And that will be the first time that uh, we're seeing any live that comes from that course. So very exciting, unfortunately. I, I won't be watching it whatsoever as I'll be filming the USADGC, but um, looking forward to that this weekend. The next weekend, we have the Match Play Championships, the Disc Golf Pro Tour Match Play Championships. That's where I'm going to be in the field again. I'm heading out to Colorado. Uh, I'll be on the sidelines. I believe Ian and Philo are in the booth. No, it's not Ian and Philo. I forget who's in the booth, but uh, maybe it's it doesn't. I don't recall. Uh, either way, I will be on the sideline, and uh, maybe it's Ian and Philo. I don't know. Uh, we'll be in the booth. So looking forward to that. And then the weekend after that, I will be traveling out to Bend. <laughs> I'll be leaving Wisconsin to go out to Bend to be in the booth with Nate and Val to commentate on the tournament in my neighboring state, uh, the, uh, the Preserve. So that's what my next few weekends look like. As I'm going to scroll back up and see if there's anything that I should be taking note of. And I am also hearing something come into my ear, which uh, sounds like we may have another guest joining me in just a few moments. 
And I think without further ado, can I, I got the thumbs up, right? He's ready to go, probably. That's a thumbs up. Without further ado, we're going to welcome our champion from this weekend from the Portland Open, none other than Simon Lazat. I'm trying to do my. Does this work? I just can't see anymore when I do that. Uh you you look you look good. I mean, here, let me click on this button, and I think it's two of us on screen. How you doing? It's good enough like this. Vertical. You look great. It's a hundred percent perfect. Okay, Welcome. doing good. I just got home from Darts League, <laughs> and uh, it was a fun night. So. Uh, there's a million questions, of course. We got a ton of fans out here watching and listening, but let's start with darts. What what do, what does darts league look like to you? Because I know what it looked like to me and Johnny in college, but I'm guessing yours is different. Yeah, so I've been a, a darts lover for a lot of years, and I really wanted to play some tournaments or just some kind of competitions. And I somehow found out that Massachusetts is actually a hot spot for darts in the U.S. or on New England in general. And I played one tournament, got to meet some people around the area here. And I said I'm interested in joining a league. And because I played that tournament really well, I actually got second out of like <laughs> 45 people. Of course you did. Uh, um, well, I've been playing darts a lot, so I'm actually decent <laughs> at darts. And they invited me basically to join the first league of darts. So there's an A league, B league, C. It goes very far down. And so I basically jumped up to the first league here in Massachusetts and am on one of the best teams. And tonight happened to be playoffs, which uh, happened to be the best first teams of the league, play against each other, and we won. So now we're going to states which means Central Mass, Northern, Southern, Eastern, Western Mass, start playing against each other then. Um, but I'm going to miss that next week because I'm going to be in Colorado. I, I was just going to say, when, when does this start uh, affecting disc golf travel? And is it, it's, always, it's always Tuesdays? Yeah, yeah. Um, the league was every Tuesday. It, it definitely obviously will not at all change my disc golf schedule because i'm just doing it i'm just doing it for the fun but uh they take it very seriously it's extremely competitive it's extremely fun i get, i enjoy every single tuesday night here at home for uh, the darts nights and we qualified for the states and if the team wins states then it becomes like a freaking nationwide thing that we start traveling to different states and compete against other teams so it's pretty serious. How okay, let let's start here. Do the people on your team do they know who you are? Do they know just how good you are as a professional frisbee thrower? Do they have any idea? Well, I think our league started in March, beginning of March or end of February, so I've known the guys now for a, a lot of weeks and of course now they know. Um, I've talked to them many times, of course, about disc golf. I really like to like kind of downplay it because I don't want to like take on any special role or get any special treatment because I really am not that way. And I think disc golf should obviously not be treated in any, <laughs> any kind of way, like a big deal. So I just say, yeah, well, Frisbee is my job. I travel around, play tournaments and I'm pretty good sometimes, but, uh, 
<laughs> they all started following the disc golf tour, of course, and they were pretty proud to have me on the team today because I just came back from two big wins. <laughs> Uh, and how how is your performance tonight? And then is there momentum? Do you feel like, are you riding high after a Portland win in disc golf? Do you feel like any of that carries over into just the vibes for playing darts tonight? Well, darts is a game that if you don't play every day or every other day, it's hard to be really consistent because it's such a muscle memory game. You got to be in the flow, kind of like putting where if you don't putt all the time, you would, you're just not going to be a great putter. So I haven't played darts in three weeks because I've been obviously traveling and playing disc golf. And actually the putting motion, which is like this for me, and the darting motion, which is like this, <laughs> mm -hmm. are similar but different at the same time. So yeah, my darts felt extremely rusty today. Um, I won one out of three games. Usually I win all my three games, but tonight was my best game, but the team still won. Um, they had my back, so it was fun to watch. Uh, and what, what, what's a typical dart league night? And, and I, I was going to say, I apologize to all our disc golfers, but I don't, uh, I, I love this, <laughs> this tangent. What's a typical dart night, uh, play look like in terms of the games, amount of games, which games you play, that kind of stuff. So there's six people per team. You can have more than six, but then you got to like alternate players in some different matches. And you start with doubles, so three double matches against each other. First you play 501, which is you start at 501 points and play to zero. You got to finish on a double. And you play best of 3 and that for three matches. And then you play doubles a game of cricket, three games total, so all six players get to play again, of course. Um, and then you play singles, which is best of three, 501 again. So I grew up in Europe where cricket doesn't really exist. I don't even know. I'm talking to disc golfers now. They probably don't even know what cricket means. <laughs> but basically, it's a darts game where you have to check each number three times and then hit the bullseye three times. And then you can also point some scores on, on fields that, the other, that your opponent hasn't checked out yet. And 501 is more the game that I love and that I grew up learning. But it's all, it's, all, it's all fun and games. I really enjoyed the competition of darts because I love throwing darts. I love playing. And it puts me in a different competitive mindset, which I can then translate to the disc golf field. Yeah, and, and for those who are, might not be familiar, uh, most people that have ever played darts probably started out playing 301, where you start at 301, and you got to work down to zero. 501 is just 200 more than that. It's just a ex longer extended version of that. And then, like you said, cricket, a slightly different game um, with hitting specific sets of numbers, which is my favorite game. So it's funny that that's not as popular uh, over in Europe. Uh, to say yeah, that cricket, it's not. Cricket is a very American uh, darts game. I think... I'm not exactly sure where it's from or how it started, but in Europe, pretty much no one knows what even cricket is. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. That's all right. So, um, but yet, I mean, this is all great, but a lot of people, whether it's through Instagram or YouTube or other ways, a lot of people then think, no, 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 no. Like Simon goes and plays pool. Like Simon loves pool. <laughs> But you told me a few weeks ago at your house you 
enjoy darts better and you're better at darts than pool even or no? Well, the thing is that there's much less darts players in the world than there's pool players. Uh, and I just okay. think compared to the average player, I'm better at darts than I am compared to the average pool player because so many people are really good at pool or better than like an average player. So, yeah, you can you can see my pool table here right behind me. So, I obviously love pool as well and darts and pool kind of go back and forth on what I would say is my favorite game or my favorite free time activity. Okay. Well, uh, I, I think I may have probably gushed about the story. I, I probably lived the dream date or dream afternoon of so many disc golfers uh, a few weeks ago, right after the college event, uh, you graciously invited me over. We played pool. We played darts. We looked at discs. We went to lunch. Uh, it, it was a day I'll never forget, Simon. No, um, but <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, it was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. Um, but let's talk about business and the business of throwing frisbees and everything that you're doing right. How good does it feel, especially now that you've processed a little bit these two wins? <laughs> well... <laughs> I've said my entire career basically that I don't really care about winning or that winning doesn't necessarily make me feel great or happy or accomplished. Uh-huh. But now uh, No, 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 not not really a but. I am extremely thrilled and happy and proud to be playing good disc golf because I, I you know I've been playing my entire life and I love playing well. And if, if playing well for me means winning, um, that's kind of a bonus, but I'm. It feels almost unreal. Like, you know, I've said this in multiple interviews now, but people ask me like, "What's what's different?" or like, "What has changed in the last couple of weeks or even years that I'm now winning these two big tournaments in a row?" And I wish I had like a good answer. I just don't know. It it doesn't really on like. Honestly, it doesn't feel like anything was different. Like, I was just, I don't know. I was just not making any extremely stupid mistakes, and I was not getting any bad breaks. I was getting a, a handful of good breaks, actually, which obviously always helps. And other than that, I think the courses, obviously, the last big two events have been in my favor a bit. Um, throwers courses where if you keep yourself in bounds, if you have position and give yourself the chances, it really comes down to <laughs> not missing the putts. And at OTB two, uh, two, it's almost three weeks ago now. Um, I putted pretty much lights out. I mean, I, I had one spit out. And other than that, I think I had one or two, maybe circle one misses. Other than that, everything was dead center and Portland was not much different. The final round, um, I was being a bit nervous and missed a couple putts here and there. But other than that, I put myself in position and I, I got, I really, really used my luck when I got it and I used my chances when I got them. And it just felt like I was playing solid and everyone else was kind of making mistakes. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I mean, sometimes just staying the course, so to speak, and just being even keel 
can be enough if, if somebody else is trying to put that pressure on or trying to come up and match or catch you or whatever. Um, you know, sometimes there's something to be said about playing that way. Now, a lot of people, and maybe you can provide insight, but everybody is now saying, well, you know, we've been saying that for years. If Simon would just, you know, quit throwing the Simon lines, and if Simon would just play smarter, he could win all the time. Mm-hmm. And so all of those people are saying, see, I've been saying this forever. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way at all? I mean, how much have you really dialed it back? <laughs> well, I've extremely dialed it back. Okay. I mean, I'm obviously the person who's there throwing the lines. So it, for me, it probably doesn't feel as different as it might be looking different. But my elbow is truly handicapping me like a lot. Like I, I honestly can't throw over like 95% power because every time I do, it hurts. Like it really hurts every time. I can't throw crazy hyzer angles or big sky turnovers or rollers because every time I do that, my elbow is tweaking and it'll bother me for the next couple of minutes, potentially for the next putt or something where if your elbow even just feels a slight bit funny on your next 25 footer, it definitely is way bigger chance to miss that next putt. So I've been um, extremely disciplined with throwing just low and straight and not even really looking or considering bigger lines or big throws or Simon lines. So uh, we all, all like to call them. <laughs> and hole two, for example, at uh, Portland where people were saying, oh my God, the Simon line. That Actually, that line, when I played, I played a practice round there with Paul McBeth on Wednesday and he told me that that's the shot. Because for some reason, even though there were 17 Mandos on this course, <laughs> and basically OB everywhere where it's supposed to be OB, uh, that hole for some reason didn't have a Mando and didn't have OB where it was supposed to be. Um, and Paul was like, that's the shot. Like, even if the wind's not helping and even if you land Circle's Edge, it's way easier and way more consistent than it is to try to throw the forehand straight or a big turnover. And as you could see, I basically parked, <laughs> parked it twice on a little spike hyzer for me so it wasn't even simon line it was actually the paul Macbeth line that he told me to throw because i didn't even practice that before he told me to throw that shot <laughs> okay okay so a credit credit to Macbeth on those two birdies i mean you had to throw the shot and make the putt but credit for the uh the the thought to go that direction um what what did you think i mean you clearly are one of our longest throwers and even when it's more controlled a lot of people will say going to golf courses is can get old. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more of them on the tour just in general. And this was a, a pretty distinct redesign from last year. But what what's what's your takeaway when you look at the Glendivere property and what you played on? I mean, the the property is absolutely magical. It's one of the the sweetest venues I've ever seen. For golf or disc golf, like the trees out there and just the location is just so sick. They have a really good restaurant and brewery like right on the course. It's it's just an awesome place all around to hang out. And I got to say, I wasn't a huge fan of the 17 Mandos on the course. I think that moving the tee pad even just a couple feet here and there can really 
make the course design just so much more pure where you don't have to add all the mandos and kind of just naturally just by a couple feet here and there make a make the shots more obvious and not have people like cheat with big hyzers or big rollers or big turnovers. So it was definitely less golf course like than it was last year. And there was a lot more technical shots, a lot of low ceilings, a lot of almost wooded golf on a golf course. And I mean, yeah, the weather wasn't really our friend that week, but it, it held up decently enough for it still to be fun to compete out there. The gallery was absolutely insane. Like, I, I thought I was in Finland for half of the round because people were, they were just lining up multiple rows and the vibes were just un unbelievable. So the venue is 100% a win. The course probably can still improve, but overall, I think it was better than last year. Okay. And, you know, last year, of course, Eagle McMahon, your teammate, your friend, took it down, said how much he loves Portland. Uh, you know, he's got his Colorado roots, but certainly loves Portland and, you know, loves Oregon and being out there. Oh, how how different? I mean, you're now you're where you are over, you know, outside of Boston and in the in the uh, New England area, plenty of trees, pretty good amount of elevation, probably a little less rainy. Uh any, any comparison in terms of you know either the the style of courses or or just the overall atmosphere? Short answer, not really. Okay. I mean, the the wooded courses up here are much tighter lines and much less forgiving. So the courses, I mean, the courses at the Portland Open were still extremely open courses compared to real woods golf. It doesn't really compare to real woods golf, but it was also definitely not the typical golf course golf. So it was a good hybrid, I would say. Okay. Okay. Um, now you're home though. You, you know, you're, you're living a life that we really didn't imagine, you know, or didn't become a reality until the last few years, which is some of our top players flying to an event, playing, and then flying home. And maybe even skipping, we'll say smaller, I'll use in air quotes, smaller events from time to time and events they don't need to play in. H how does that feel? How does it feel to leave, especially with, with the positivity and the and the vibes and the you know all the feels of taking home the victory? How does it feel then saying, okay, well, I'm leaving this beautiful place and this and this championship and uh, I, I'm gonna head back home now? It feels really good. <laughs> I mean to do a full-on, on-the-road, van life or motorhome life, tour lifestyle, you, I mean, you'll know, and a lot of people know that you need to be the right personality to not burn out, to not get sick and tired of it, to, you need to love the road to do what a lot of these touring pros are doing and not go insane. And I was honestly never one of those people who loved the road i did it for about three and a half almost four seasons but even that on and off because I, I went back to europe every now and then and i was so burnt out after every single season or every th single like three months tour lag that i did and it, it is not for everyone so for me having a home base having a house, having a home, having my own bed, 
TV and car and all those things that come with having a home base, it's extremely important. And as much as I don't like going to the airport, waiting in lines and flying and all that stuff, rental cars and hotels and Airbnbs get really expensive and extremely annoying. And I do burn out from that. But for me, it's still all in all easier than the full on commitment being 24 seven, literally on the go. 365 days a year so a lot of touring players i mean i the first year i did in the states i gained a lot of respect for the guys back then in 2014 who, who've been doing it for a handful of years or even more than that just the total grind and i'm like i don't know how you guys do it because i'm ready to go home <laughs> do, do you feel like that will be maybe the vision or will i say the the natural progression and graduation process of as you get a more established in your career, people will be looking to take your path as in, all right, you know, now I don't need to grind it out every week and now I can fly home or now I can, you know, skip an event. I mean, Paige Pierce is doing almost exactly what you're doing. And clearly she's been around a long time and very successful. Um, do you think that's kind of the, the logical path for a lot of people as they get older? I would say yes for a lot of people, probably. I mean, a lot of disc golfers out there are pretty crazy <laughs> and they love the grind. They love the tour life. They, they wouldn't trade it for having a house. Probably some of them would, but definitely not all of them would. They, I mean, there is something about this rock star lifestyle and I felt it and I loved it, <laughs> but it wasn't quite enough and convincing for me. But uh, a lot of them, I mean, that's what they do. And it's a grind. And some people need the grind. Some people want to grind. So, But I think long term, of course, kind of like every sport that's growing like that, it's going to be more comfortable to be a pro athlete. And I mean, part of the American dream, I guess, is, is to own your own property, buy a house, and kind of settle in and retire as, as soon as you possibly can. So I, it, it's going to move in that way long term. Yeah. And, and like you said, that might not be everyone's, but for the most part it is. And yeah. and it feels like you're, you're putting in the time and the energy and the grind now, and you hope to get successful enough where you don't have to necessarily do it week in and week out uh, quite as much. Now talk a little bit about, you know, we had you on in the after, after, after show a few weeks ago, because you were super busy after OTB. Just give everyone a quick recap of what that looked like over these last couple of weeks for you um, at, you know, after OTB. <clears throat> yeah. So I won OTB, obviously huge deal, hundreds of hundreds of messages. And I had basically zero hours to even process what just happened because um, I went to bed, had to get up early the next next morning and jump in the Jomez uh, media van and drive over to Lake Tahoe, three and a half hour drive, um, hanging out with a Jomez crew the entire week at Lake Tahoe, filming like 16 hour days, starting up, getting up super early in the morning, going on the lake, fishing, doing other stuff, playing the disc golf courses there, like doing eight like hour long interviews with locals there talking about the disc golf scene and we're working on a really cool disc golf series that really like that hasn't been done before where we, where we showcase kind of like hidden gems or unknown courses or disc golf communities just to kind of 
I guess, highlight like the spirit of the game? Like, what is disc golf really about? Because, I mean, the pros are less than a tenth of a percent of what disc golf actually is. And the pro tour is, I mean, seems so large, but it really is a tiny, tiny fraction of what disc golf means to local communities. So, um, since I grew up where disc golf was basically non-existent, um, this is a project that is a, definitely a passion project. And I love going to hang out with locals. And this, this, this series is not about me being a disc golf pro going to smaller leagues or going to smaller disc golf communities. It's me being someone who loves disc golf. And I, I don't even want, like, I don't wear Discmania gear during the shoots. I don't wear Lazat gear. I'm just a guy who wants to showcase the love of the sport. So that's really what it's about. And it was a really long week and at Lake Tahoe, which is one of the, maybe the coolest place I've been in a long time. Or I, I can't even, on top of my head, think of a nicer place that I've ever seen on, on this planet. It's just so special. And the disc golf scene there is so cool. So I can't wait for the world, the disc golf world, to see <laughs> some of the footage we shot there. It was really special. And then from there, it's a, I don't know, like seven or eight hour drive up to Bend where we met up with Nate and Val at their brewery. I got finally to check out uh, the Bevel Brewing Company, which was <laughs> just on the bucket list for at least four or five years now. That was cool. And then head over to Portland. And then, of course, I have a bunch of media stuff to do. We did a practice one with Brody and Ezra. And then there's the uh, press conference and stuff like that the next day. So I was struggling to get in the practice rounds. I, I was obviously still in disbelief of my win at OTB. And then there's a four-round event coming up in Portland, and the weather just looked brutal. It looked like it was going to be like a battle with the elements the entire week. But we ended up getting pretty lucky considering what the forecast was saying um and my game just kept it was like there was like a wave of good breaks and good disc golf in line for me and i was just riding the wave the entire way and it, it would just it wasn't just it just wasn't slowing down and i was just riding the wave and somehow down the stretch i mean you've seen everyone's probably seen the battle with gary gerthy who played out of his mind um, the last couple holes, the last round, just nailing. The way he putts is just so unique and so different. Mm -hmm. And when you watch it, you're like almost in disbelief every time it goes in because it's just like, <laughs> wait, what? How how did that go in? <laughs> but he he's just so good at it, and he like just nailed one after the next. And I was I was putting probably a bit too much pressure on myself because I was trying to prove my win at OTB a bit and. Obviously, I know Eagle last year went back to back at this event. So I was like, that's another storyline. And then I've never won two big tournaments in a row. That's another storyline. So I was going through all these things in my head. And I was like, man, like, can I really do this? Is this actually going to happen? And I, I thought I gave it away on the last hole. I thought I gave it away <laughs> a couple times before that even. But for some reason, things just went my way again. I totally got away with big mistakes. And I mean, you don't win a tournament because of a four day tournament because of luck, obviously. You don't, you're not even in position to win because you haven't been playing great the entire tournament for four rounds. So I know I've earned it. I know I put myself in the position to even have the chance to win it. But at the end of it, it definitely felt like, wow, I got away with one there. 
Uh, yeah, and and that's just it. You you put yourself in the position, and and yeah, maybe a mistake was made, or a, one mistake was larger than another. But the, you have to be there in the first place. And if you're six strokes back, uh, you know you're praying on, or you're thinking something catastrophic has to happen up ahead. And that wasn't the case for you. You were right there in the thick of it throughout. And does does it? I was going to say, does it feel weird knowing that so many people also love Double G? I mean, you're clearly loved uh, in the disc golf community. You've got a lot of fans. There's, it, it's hard to find somebody who, all, who dislikes Double G. And that's probably got to be a little bit of a weird feeling or, or not. Or is that one of the few things you don't think about? It sounds like you're thinking about a lot of other things. But you and Double G, I mean, people... There's a lot of excitement there. <laughs> there definitely was. And I definitely didn't have any negative feelings about that, but I definitely noticed that because <laughs> I, I am pretty used to, I mean, I, I obviously don't want to sound cocky or over my head in any way, but I'm very used to being the fan favorite in a way during these tournaments. And I'm, and in this particular round on Sunday, <laughs> you're like, what? Huh? I don't, I don't hear you guys. I don't hear no, you. I totally heard them. That was not the point, <laughs> but I also really heard them for Garrett. Okay. So it wasn't that it was a lack for me. Uh -huh. I was just definitely noticing. I wouldn't say I was surprised by it, but I definitely noticed it that there was a lot for Garrett as well, which obviously the more the better. Like I, I didn't have any negative things or thoughts about that at all. So, but I've noticed it. I definitely noticed it. I don't know if it really changed anything for me, but I noticed it. Well, and Double G so gracious, you know, in talking after after the round. And Double G is one of those guys who, when he put his head down on his pillow, he knows, you know, maybe it slipped by him, or he, you know, he he didn't capitalize on his opportunity. But you know that he's still happy for you, like in his core. And I, and I don't know if I would say that about all of our other competitors. And it's just an extra special level that he's at, that he can put his head down at night on Sunday night. And of course he wishes he won, but I think he's truly happy for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I said in the interview after the round, like Garrett is one of the nicest guys out there. He's obviously extremely competitive, but at the same time, a great, just a great sport. And I mean, 99% of us out there are good sports. Like, don't get me wrong. But Garrett is just going, obviously, the extra mile. And he's one of my favorite guys to play against because he throws some of the sickest lines. He throws some <laughs> of the biggest shots you'll ever see on the course. His putt is just so different. And in a way, it's sometimes annoying when you see them go in in a battle. But uh, it's, it's also, at the same time, amazing and fun to watch. And yeah, I know I, Garrett's been in the game for so freaking long. He knows he knows everything that's going on. Like he's been longer in the game than I have, and I've been here for a really long time. So yeah. Hats yeah, off I, to Garrett, of course. He he was right there. He knows he knows exactly what's going on. We all know. But yeah, no, he's he's one of my favorites. Yeah, it was uh, certainly incredible. And I think back to some early memories of of the Gerthy family coming to play in Wisconsin in 
1998 uh, when they were playing in the junior divisions, you know, and they were actually shorter than me uh, as I was only 18 or 19. But um, some incredible competitors, that whole family, so much love and and they've had their challenges and and uh, and a few tragedies, and they just seem to persevere with a smile on their face and a big hug every time you see them. It's absolutely incredible. So, um, speaking of some love, you know, you said it was on a bucket list, and and especially I would say for a a, a gentleman who enjoys his adult beverages, um, expand just a little bit on Bevel. I mean, I've. I've become spoiled in that I'm going out there now a few times a year to do the commentary. I'll be out there again in a couple of weeks. And, and I've, you know, so honored to be honestly just friends with Nate and Val all these years, but uh, give everyone a little insight to what you experienced out of Bevel. So the great thing about Nate and Val is that obviously they're both not extremely generous, but also extremely smart, extremely well-traveled people who know how it's done right. And I mean, I don't even have to talk about Nate Doss, but <laughs> Nate Doss knows what he wants and he knows how to do it right because he is a, he won't shy away from criticizing something that isn't the way he thinks it should be. And it's sometimes hard to say that he's wrong because often he knows better than most other people out there. <laughs> So it was really cool to see his brewery and just seeing it being done right. Like, I go to a lot of breweries. I go to a lot of restaurants or other other venues where I'm like, oh, man, I wish this and that would be different. Or I wish oh, they could have done this or that better. At Bevel, like, everything just seemed like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be done. This is how it was done. And there's zero complaints. Like the food trucks outside, the patio, the sitting area, the fires, the beers, the whole brewery is just clean and simple. And the pictures on the wall, it's just all disc golf themed. And it's all just, I've known Nate Doss and, and Val for, for, for a pretty long time, at least of my life. I know you've known them a couple of years longer, but... You can tell that they've seen everything you, everything that has to be seen to know how to do it right, and that's how I felt there. I was like, "Yeah, this is Nate Doss's brewery." Like you can just tell, he, yeah. he knows how it's done right. Well, and and I I think they well before they started the brewery, of course, and they even had ideas of brewing beer and then creating a brewery. Val, especially, so good at taking notes you're just not shy about pulling out her phone taking a picture of something and and or writing some kind of note down about something she saw or liked or disliked that could maybe be incorporated or improved upon and that's everything you were just saying like they've seen it all and for them to be so well traveled and perceptive of everything that's been around them and then to incorporate all of those great things into their own space, I just, I, I think it is really special. And of course, you know, we have this huge bias. We're disc golfers and it's, it's, you know, the coolest disc golf hangout in the world to go to. But as you said, even if you weren't a disc golfer, there's plenty of non-disc golfers that view that as their favorite craft brewery or, or place to be in all of Bend, you know, the, the, brewing capital of the world or microbrew or whatever and still plenty of non-disc golfers make that their you know 
their home home course, so to speak, their home brewery. It's it's just incredible. One hundred percent agree. I mean, there's just no complaints. That was just yeah. great. That's all in all. I mean, the ratings online don't lie. <laughs> the online people are brutal, and Nate Doss is uh, getting a lot of awards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then they continue to put out the beer that, you know, I'm not an IPA guy and that's their specialty. Um, but you see, and you can read the articles. If Every time I go out there, I feel like there's another article or another release about their, you know, either just won a category or just won a contest or entered into something else. And, you know, the, the product continues to speak for itself, uh, which is also pretty cool to see as well. So, um, very, very special place and glad you got to go out there and enjoy it. Was there any, any disc or trophy, anything on the wall that, that really caught your eye or, or blew you back? Was there anything in particular? Well, I, I got to sign the door, okay. which uh, obviously I'm honored to be part of the door. I think all mm -hmm. touring pros are allowed to sign that door. Yep. And yep. Uh, on the the hallway of fame, I don't know exactly how they call it, but when you go back into the back room and walk up to the bathrooms, there's like a whole hallway with old news articles or pictures. Um, and I was on one of the framed pictures. So uh, that definitely uh, felt, felt pretty cool and pretty special to be uh, included in the brewery in some way. But other than yeah. that, I was just all all impressed on how how clean and nice everything was there. I mean, obviously it's a brewery, so it better be clean. But <laughs> I, I've seen I've seen everything, so it's not obvious, I guess. No, it's uh, yeah, very cool uh, uh, for sure. All right, well, I don't want to keep you too late. I know you've had uh, a long day and all the excitement, and also I know you, you want to ultimately get back to your family. But what what are the next? I don't know. What are the next few days or uh, uh, time between now and the next event? What does it kind of look like for you? So I'm home until next Tuesday, so a week now. And of course, I, I own a house and there's a lot of things to do at a, at a house. And obviously, Natalia needs a lot of help taking care of the baby now that I'm home. Um, just a couple of chores here and there to do. And, um, there's some signature stuff coming out soon. So I have to do some promotion, some video work and some editing for uh, future drops. Um, other than that, I'm going to try to relax a bit. Just try to uh, maybe watch some TV, which I haven't watched in, <laughs> in months. It feels like if I, if I get a chance to do that. And then next Tuesday, we're fl I'm flying with Natalia and Emmett um, to Denver. So it's going to be Emmett's first disc golf trip. And we're playing the Pro Tour match play event in Bailey, Colorado. Uh, and I, I can't wait. I, didn't, I never thought I was possible to even qualify for that because only the top 16 qualify. And obviously, I missed the first. I missed at least a hand, almost a handful of tournaments. I missed all the series, silver series. I missed Vegas. <laughs> Did I miss anything else? I don't know. I thought I wouldn't qualify anyway. And uh, somehow I qualified there for the OTB win. And it's Colorado. And Eagle said he's going to be there hanging out the Discmania tent. It's a Discmania-sponsored event. Obviously, Discmania has its headquarters up in Wellington, which is only like an hour and a half from Bailey. So I have to go. And I'm bringing the family, so it's going to be a fun trip. I'm really looking forward to that. 
back home after that for a day or two and then headed out to uh, Minnesota, to Minneapolis to play the preserve, which I'm going to approach kind of like I approached Portland, kind of like, and Portland, I really wanted to back up my win at ODB because I knew a lot of people would think that was a fluke. And I didn't want people to think that it was a fluke. So I'm super proud to have backed it up. And now I still kind of feel that way, even though I probably shouldn't. Because <laughs> obviously backing up a win with another win is is pretty much <laughs> a statement enough. <laughs> yeah. But at the preserve, I really want to back it up again and let people know that it's still not a fluke. Well, I, I don't think you have anything uh, to prove to anybody. I know you want to play the best golf for yourself and your sponsors. but uh, And and I got to say, of course, I've seen the preserve, been there all these years. And the preserve, th- th- there's a plenty of scoring opportunities. And then for someone like yourself, not short on distance. And I, I just feel like that that is a course that you clearly – should be competitive at every single year. And I don't expect this year to be any different. I mean, hasn't there been like 16s or 17s and some pretty crazy scores, right? I mean, last year I had one of my most frustrating tournaments there. I don't remember what I finished, like 30 something, I think. I could could be off by 10 or something, but it was not good. I played terrible there, even though the course lays out so nicely for me. So even if a course is a thrower's course or does give a distance thrower some advantage here and there. It's still obviously not a given for the further throwers to be up there because disc golf doesn't, I mean, everyone knows, drive for show, putt for dough. That is true on pretty much any single course we play on tour because they're all tough. I mean, some are easier than others, but all the courses we play, there's no, there's really no gimmies out there. So, yeah, yeah. If the I upshots just, are not I just on, know if the if I, is not on, we won't even be in the top 30. I just know that if if you're playing mediocre golf, you're let's just say you're going to score better out at the preserve than you are at uh, De La Viega if you're playing just <laughs> mediocre golf. I mean that that course just uh, it's ready to be eaten up. Now with that though, it almost feels like it's birdie or die. I mean there's a lot of birdies that our our top players can go out and get at that course real quick i'll see you in colorado do you can you tell anything do you know anything about the course in bailey that we're gonna see uh for the match play and how much it's changing or not because people talk it up but we really haven't seen it on a on an elite series event no colorado has been for some reason off the map um, on the Elite Series for a long, long time, which is kind of sad because it's such a sick state and such a cool place to play disc golf. Um, all I know about Bailey is that we're playing a 12-hole layout and not mm-hmm. 18, so that's obviously going to change a lot. Um, I looked at photos on UDisc. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> and I asked Eagle about it and Aaron Gossage and Joel Freeman, who are all Colorado locals, and they all said, yeah, it's sick. It's a really cool place. They didn't really go into details about the course itself, but they they said it, it's just, I mean, the place has vibes. Let's say it like that. It's a really cool place to hang out, really cool place to play disc golf. And 
I'm honestly not too worried about it. I'll show up no. again a day early, practice the course once, and then just go right into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely looks like it's off the beaten path, a good uh, half hour, 45 minutes outside of Denver, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it is a mountain course. Yeah, and so uh, really looking forward. To, I've never been there myself, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. Uh, I'll, I'll be out there on the ground. I've even been told, now this is, might be a Smashbox exclusive, uh, that Eagle McMahon might make himself available to provide a little sideline insight with old uh, disc golf guy here. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get uh, some news from on the ground. And, and do you feel like that's going to be the vibes are a little uh, softer at that event in terms of like, yes, it's serious. You're playing for big money, but match play just has a different feeling. And is, are things any more casual there or am I just going to be goofing off? And I should <laughs> I would say it's a hundred percent more casual. I mean, okay. I'm pretty sure for showing up, we get a thousand dollars guaranteed for the top 16 who are qualified. So for a lot of the guys, that's already like a ticket to a good weekend. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the vibes will be good. I think the the stress will be pretty low. Obviously the competition will be still be great. I talked to Eel today. He got his stem cells injected today like a couple hours ago and everything went well. He said he almost fainted from the shot, which was pretty funny, but uh, he, he got through it and now he's on the way to recovery. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him next week. He said he's going to be there and I might get to check out his new house and his new place. So I'll, all things good. You'll get to, oh, you've met my son before. That's right. You were yeah. here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm just excited to uh, bring him out there and have people meet him. And hopefully he'll be aware at least somewhat what's going on, even though he's only four months old. I guess I'm asking too much at this point. But no, the vibes <laughs> the vibes will be good. We're out there playing match play. It'll be a battle. And, you know, match play brings out the highlights. So I, it, it'll be fun. Yeah. I think uh, last year, Nico, uh, oh, maybe it was that. That was back. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the at the uh, All Star Weekend, which is kind of in a similar sense. You know, Nico with the big downhill ace and Eagle with the throw in to close out the round, and yeah, the entire event. Yeah, those exhibition matches uh, seem to be so much more fun for everybody to enjoy. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna let you go. I know it's getting late there, so I seriously appreciate the time. Um, congratulations. Enjoy um, everything that. You know, you've got coming to you over the next week. I know it's going to probably feel like a quick turnaround, but uh, all of the smashies, everyone out there, myself included, Johnny V, we all really appreciate you uh, willing to step in and join us for a little bit here tonight to give us a, a quick update. So looking forward to seeing you uh, in about a week or so. Perfect, Terry. See you in freaking Colorado in the mountains. I love all it. Right, all right, buddy. Talk to you then. See you then. Bye. All right. Peace. Peace. All right, Simon Lazat, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> what a pleasure to always catch up with him. And, you know, I know a couple of weeks ago when he had won, we had <laughs> a quick chat and he said um, something about getting asked, as long as I don't ask him the same three questions everybody else has asked him or or the the same things he has to keep repeating or sharing with everybody and with that i've always very much felt like i'll do as best as i can to let him lead uh with anything that he wants to talk about and simon 
never shy with words and giving us some great insight. So thank you guys so much for joining. And uh, thank you to Simon for stepping in with me tonight. All right. I'm going to read down. Um, I, I just had a couple other quick notes. Again, it's so rare. I actually wrote notes, not even remembering that Johnny V wasn't going to be around tonight, but I did write a couple notes. And uh, one of which was that, uh, and, I, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I do not know all of the details. I just saw it quickly posted on, on Facebook today, but it sounds like there was um, a little bit of a medical challenge or emergency with the uh, Emerson Keith. Uh, and there is a GoFundMe out there. Uh, if I can find it quickly, I'll even put it in the chat. But um, yeah, I saw something uh, with regard to Emerson Keith. Emerson, of course, has a daughter with another child on the way. And um, I'm just reading here. And it looks like a GoFundMe was put together. And I'm going to actually link this uh, if I can. I want to put this out there as I'm talking about it even. Hopefully I can do that in the right spot. Weird when I got to do all this. Um, a close friend uh, will take the opportunity. Uh, the uh, Emerson spent the greater part of this weekend in emergency care because of an infection that was almost life-threatening. Thankfully, uh, it seems like he is on the upside and just needs time to rest and heal now. Mackenzie, his wife, has been Wonder Woman this entire time, and at 37 weeks pregnant, it's not easy to hold things together. So, again, by all means, uh, if you can go out and do anything, oh my gosh, you scared me, uh, do anything to make any contributions, please do. I just put the link in the chat um, if you want to go out there. Also, uh, a couple other updates that we have uh, in terms of medical uh, progress and conditions, of course, many of you saw it, and it was just posted in the chat. Johnny McRae taking things down this weekend. Uh, incredible effort. Uh, I believe that was down in Melbourne. And I want to go ahead and pull up the in all of the details. I believe it happened, in fact, taking down Aaron Doyle in the final, I'm going to say the final hole is what I believe. I believe it pushed all the way to the end. Excuse me. Um, $648. This B tier was three rounds. And Johnny McRae, just to put this into perspective, oh, it's gone. I don't know where the uh, where the ratings went for or the unofficial ratings. Um, but Johnny McRae had was three off the lead in the first round, then came back with being three off the lead or three off the hot score second round, but still very much in it and then had two off of the hot round during the final round. All of that, when it was said and done, netted him a first-place finish over Aaron Doyle. So congratulations. Him and Aaron were five strokes or six strokes clear of third, so very much off in their own, uh, their own little world, so to speak, with that battle. I put that link in the chat just a moment ago. But uh, congratulations to Johnny McRae for taking that down. And, I mean, some he and others may say impressive enough to be able to go out and compete and to finish an event, let alone take home the championship. So, uh, so, so incredible. Uh, also, um, of, of note and notice, uh, the Linz twins, 
down in Florida, Jordan and Morgan, who are rated 897 and 899, respectively, finished one stroke apart from one another, and both of them have declined cash. So uh, you're going to see them at some amateur events, I'm assuming, but they took first and second besting Sandy Gast, uh, who took third. So congratulations. Again, just one stroke difference between the two of them uh, this weekend. And, you know, I I talked on and on about them back at the Throw Down the Mountain coverage and every single weekend. I, I'm going to see how many weekends they've already played and how many weekends they're signed up for. Um, both of these women, <laughs> just to put it in perspective, uh, real quick, when I click on Jordan, she has played four pro events, and her worst finish is third, and she's played then seven or eight or nine amateur events, and she's finished first or second. And when she finishes second, it's usually to her sister Morgan and vice versa. Like, they just go back and forth. So a couple of names. You heard them at Throwdown. You, you hear them occasionally here on Smashbox. Big shout-out to them. Uh, very competitive, and I think you're going to continue to see that battle um, unfold between the two of them and then the rest of the FPO divisions. And then I am seeing in just a couple weeks, they are all signed up and ready to go for the Amateur World Championships. I see them playing mixed doubles, long drive, putting, mini, skill shot, and then, of course, um, the Am Worlds itself. And then, just a week or so later, here in Wisconsin, it uh, looks like they're signed up to play in the United States Women's Disc Golf Championships, the USWDGC, right here, even closer. When we're at Johnny's, we're close. At my house, I'm even closer to where the U.S. Uh, women's is going to be taking place in just a few weeks. So really looking forward to that. All right. Also, let's see if I had on my list any other notes um, other just kind of side note, we've seen, you know, COVID has, has jumped up and, and has caught a number of our players throughout the last few weeks. One of them who's most notably putting it out there and has been doing a ton of clinics and ton of work, uh, Scott Stokely. I know that he is, uh, seems to be back on the mend. I know he's trying to do some clinics and demonstrations, uh, in this, or I'm sorry, in central Eastern <laughs> I don't even know what area that is considered where I grew up. Wow, that's pretty funny. I'm in Southeastern. It's whatever. He's in Wisconsin uh, where his daughter's graduating from college. And with that, he's looking to do some clinics in that area uh, in the next few weeks. So hopefully um, Scott Stokely continues to be on the mend. And a number of our other players who have been lately either removed from tournaments or have had to pull out or, or whatever. Um, Hopefully, we'll see them continue to be on the mend. And speaking on the mend, Ricky Waisaki, we didn't see him competing this last weekend. Still taking it easy, uh, result of the Lyme flare-up. I did see a post. Uh, if he's not making money on the Pro Tour, he apparently is doing it out in Vegas. And uh, I saw a post or two a little bit earlier and Waisaki enjoying some time out in Vegas, along with Ari, who um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but Ari finding um, the good end of a few uh, slot machines, I guess. I don't know if there's a good or a bad end, but the good side of a few slot machines. And best of luck 
I don't know how many disc golfers we have out there, but I know Pete Johnson is a gentleman who is a very adamant poker player and competitive player. Don Smith is another one. We have a few others that have played, but uh, I believe Pete Johnson is thrown his, at least thrown his name in the hat in the ring there uh, once or twice or is attempting for the World Series of Poker uh, going out in uh, Vegas right now as well. All right, guys. Oh, yes. I'm going to certainly mention it. One of my favorites, Tom McManus, who's out on the board right now. Tom McManus, PDJ1276, who runs a great Thursday morning league. Make sure to check that out, along with some other leagues in southeastern Wisconsin, including the Gray and Red Fox and Silver Fox courses uh, run by the Schicks. But Tom McManus giving the update that Gavin Rathbun taking down the Illinois Open Series event here in uh, or not here, there in in Rockford, Illinois, this last weekend, and I want to click on it. Had a pretty sizable, uh, legitimate field uh, in terms of our regional pros that were out there. I believe it was the IOS. Fun. Sorry, I'm doing a little Google in here. IOS 100. Oh, that's not bringing me exactly where I want to be. Come on. But Gavin, and and maybe you would or wouldn't necessarily mention that on any other given week. However, we've seen that Gavin has withdrawn from a few events and has certainly undergone uh, some recovery in terms of injury. So to see him come out and perform the way he did this weekend uh, is some good signs for Gavin and for his sponsors. Uh, he did take that down. He ended up shooting some 1026 1047 982 and 1062 golf and a seven stroke margin of victory over tom or sorry wow tim barham uh luke taylor was in attendance trevin crow was there uh danny bochamp and, and a number of others thomas Earhart, uh also a name that you certainly recognize um as well brian's brother who is again very good in that area so Nice work by Gavin. And again, I think the bigger takeaway there is that it shows him on the mend. And he's talked a little bit on social media about his road to recovery and what that looks like for him over the next few weeks. But everybody wants to see Gavin out uh, competing here uh, on the biggest stage. Uh, I'm not going to give away the GK spoiler. Here, here's what I will say. Some of you have seen it. Uh, I didn't consume the entire skins match i believe that was dropped today i exclusively saw the spoiler and just for the sake of coolness i'm not gonna ruin it really i'm just gonna tell you there was an ace so i'm not gonna tell you what hole or by whom but there was an ace and if you spend two seconds on the internet and you want to find it you can congratulations to that man or woman that got the ace in the GK Pro skins match. That's what I'll say about that. Deacon asks a quick question here before I close out the regular show, saying, have you played High Ridge Hills before and thoughts for another world's tourney? This may be a dumb question. Uh, no, there's not dumb questions. There's just dumb people, and you're not one of those. Uh, I did. and I mean, I mean, thank you. It's almost like you, you set me up. I won the pro world's warm-up in 2007 up there at Highbridge. And that property, 
I don't got sold at some point by the gentleman that was developing the disc golf there. It ultimately was taken over by Tom Mountain Man Wince. And Tom is an incredible individual and has really worked hard to bring the courses back to life up there. And I, I'm almost saddened to admit that I don't think I've been there since the 2007 Worlds. That was also my best Worlds finish, 30, 36th maybe. Phenomenal property, multiple courses. I, I know they at one point were trying to host bands and festivals. I know there was a lot of broken promises that had taken place. And now, and then it gained a really terrible reputation for a little while. And now it's 100% flipped back around and on the mend. However, Mountain Man, who is the owner and caretaker, uh, also had made a recent post about how it's, it's a massive undertaking, you know, hundreds of acres and multiple courses in what feels like the middle of nowhere. It's Northern Wisconsin is very tough. And is the facility good enough to host a world's hands down? Absolutely. For sure. Is that, is there good enough cell signal? Is there other enough, other amenities nearby? Yeah, there's hotels. There's things that could happen. A world's in theory could take place up there. If that's on the radar or not, I don't know. The only way that a world's could really take place up in, in that same location would be is if whoever was running it or wanted to organize it was bringing money from somewhere else outside of that area. That area, I think there's more baskets in that county than there are, or, uh, yeah, baskets than there are people, which is a little hyperbole, but it's not a very populated area. It's, it's beautiful and it's amazing, but it's almost, it's a, very far up in northern Wisconsin in some majestic property, but you're not getting ten and twenty and fifty thousand dollars sponsors uh, that are local. So if a world's were to take place, somebody, I feel like the tournament director or committee would need to know ahead of time, hey, this is going to be largely put on by and sponsored by another major sponsor that isn't coming from that area that that's just my take could be wrong but um and that's assuming they'd want to do it of course i think if the right organizing committee got together and signal testing worked for live i think somebody could say hey we're not from that area we're we're from six or eight or 12 hours away but if if organized correctly you could still go up and use the venue and and work with Tom to make something like that happen. I'm just throwing out crazy ideas here. All right. Ryan says, you can't spoil it. They posted up a single video of the ace of someone who tries to go after their YouTube channel. Uh, they will see that video listed right next to the skin. So there you go. And speaking of that, and I'll close it on this note, the regular show that is, I am getting caught up. Yet again, I know it feels like I'm always doing that. Getting caught up on some pr uh, footage from either earlier in this year or some great footage from last year. We've got the Minnesota Majestic, which is coming up this weekend. We're going to have some footage from the Minnesota Majestic from this weekend. But in order to satiate you, to get you ready to go, to prime, to preview the 2022 Majestic, we're just a few hours or a few days away from releasing the 2021 Majestic. 
if you don't think that's some big brain thinking on my part, I don't, I don't know what is. Uh, also from Northern Wisconsin, today I recorded some commentary for the 2021 Northwoods Open, which is another incredible venue, uh, the world's first disc golf resort and ranch. And that's not far from Highbridge Hills. So all this is kind of tying together. Here's what we're going to do, folks, even though it's not going to look quite as clean as it normally does with Johnny V, because I don't have all those buttons or those capabilities. I'm going to stand down for just a moment. We're going to get an official cut to the after show, and then I'll come back and I'll continue to read through your questions and hopefully any uh, answer anything that you guys have for me. It may or may not be disc golf related. I'm totally good with that, but I will certainly read what you have coming in after me on the board. But in terms of a regular show, it's been kind of a, uh, a solo effort here. And I got to thank you guys. If these continue to go well, where I feel like I'm capable of doing a one-man operation, I think you might see more of this style come at you for the nightly recaps, which I've dabbled in throughout the last few years. Uh, but going on tour, I think I'd like to see if I can expand on that and continue to bring you guys the action. So I'm going to click a button. It might get quiet for a moment. That's going to be the official cut, but don't go anywhere. I'll bring it right back, and we'll get into the after show. So for Johnny V, who joined us from Houston, for Simon Lazat, who joined me from Massachusetts, congratulations to him. Congratulations to our FPO champion in Valerie Mondahano. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been Podcast 406, and uh, I'm going to stand down for just a moment. And then I'll come back to you for the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 406's After Show. Just me. No harmonizing with old Johnny V tonight. Welcome, everyone. This is the Smashbox TV podcast 406 After Show. I'm your host, Terry Miller. And for those who might be new to an after show, whether you're watching it live, welcome. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, or you're taking it in through an audio version some other time you've downloaded it. The after show was really Johnny V's idea from many, many years ago where he watched other podcasts and they would continue to have a show or a podcast. And then all the banter and chatter and other things that these friends or co-workers had after the fact, rather than just turning off the camera and having that conversation, which Johnny and I also still do, they leave it running and that becomes part of the after show. So that's kind of what we do tonight. More than ever, however, I will read directly off of the YouTube chat. So if you have something you need to ask me, it can be disc golf related. It could be 
completely unrelated, whatever the case might be, I will do my best to either answer it or or politely deflect and not actually get to your question. Or maybe I'll dance around something that looks like your question. So, and what's up in front of me right now is uh, some chatter as we were closing out the regular show talking about Northern Wisconsin, of course, something I know a little bit about in terms of playing disc golf and what's available. Um, talking about Highbridge Hills Disc Golf Complex. I don't even know how many courses are there. I I'm sure somebody on the board has been there, obviously, more recently than me. At one time, there was the Gold Course, there was Granite Ridge, there was Blueberry Hill, there was there was supposed to be the bear and then the, and the woodland course. And then there was a woodland bear, excuse me, some hybrid of those two. I don't know if one of those was also then the little nine hole light up course that was lit. Uh, that was that you could play all night. And I don't know if there were any other courses in development, but there was something like five or six courses or, potential courses on this property that was originally going to be developed for a golf course. I don't know if it was funding or feuding or, or both that halted that. And then ultimately uh, Chuck Kennedy, along with some others had a conversation with the owners and they started turning this into this incredible complex 2004, five, six, sometime in that neighborhood. And then by 2007, the world championships had taken place. And for bonus points, who can first tell me, who won in FPO and MPO the 2007 World Championships. I'll wait for that in the chat. All right, reading down. Uh, Ray talking about the PGA and the Saudi-funded LIV. I don't know if it's LIV or LIV, I don't, or if that's supposed to be a number, but I, I do see that. Uh, tour paying top names to exclusively play there. Yeah, I saw that. Another one of our top golfers um i don't know if it's a contract or signed and and i keep thinking it's like anything obviously you always think about the money and is is the money greener or are the is the grass greener on the other side and you're going after this money is there any any certainty with this tour or are you just good with rolling the dice and 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 i think the big question is let's say they jump ship this tour happens for one or two or five years. They get, let's say they get paid or let's say they don't. Can they come back? Is there, is there anything that would stop them from coming back to the PGA tour? And then also who's creating this exclu exclusivity? Is it the new tour saying, Hey, you're not going to compete on the PGA tour. Is it them that is making that declaration? I saw with one of our professional golfers, uh, he went and played, sorry, for I forget the names, but he went and played or said he was going to go play in one of the events and thereby ignoring a PGA event that was sponsored by one of his major sponsors. And they basically said, yeah, that sucks. He's making the decision to go elsewhere, especially when we sponsor this, this event. And, and ultimately he lost them as a sponsor. Well, if you lose them as a sponsor, and I'm just going to make up a number and say they pay you a million dollars a year, but you're guaranteed $10 million just for going and playing on this other tour, 
you know, so, some people are just going to do that math. So I, I don't know the inner workings of golf, if that's not obvious, but it certainly is interesting to see. And then of course, really where this relates and correlates is, is that possible in disc golf? The, the national tours existed forever, 20 some years when it came out, nothing for nothing. Most people said, yeah, yeah, the pro tour is great or the pro tour needs a lot of work or the pro tour is nothing. We still have the national tour. And through a lot of hard work and through a lot of money and a lot of coordinating, the pro tour caught up to what a lot of the national tour events were doing. And then some of those events found ways to surpass what some of the national tour events were doing. And that's not a rip on the national tour events. It was just the drive and the effort and the additional influx of money and everything else that pushed the pro tour past to you can go ch check the tapes folks that's what old people would say like me check the tapes there's plenty of golfers on record uh, the national tour the national tour is what i care about the national tours here this is what i care about you know that's priority fast forward five years and to the pro tours credit because that's what they were trying to kind of unify them and make it one big tour the pro tour is okay this is where i need to be i don't i'm not as concerned about that tour or you know and, and eventually it got all consumed and and this is all out of out of uh, a lot of love and and dedication and you know i've i watched it all unfold the way that it did but it came with a lot of work and and original effort and not just original effort idea and then tons of collaboration so um and compromise and everything else it's there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that many of you will never ever have any idea about it's it's been an interesting uh ride for sure all right um undercover off duty says hybrid hills is awesome been there in 08 and 2010 just before it went downhill i here's what i used to say because i was a little uncomfortable about it i used to say i'm gonna wait this is 05 06 07 somewhere in that time frame i always used to say wait until it's done wait until it's done it's gonna be amazing it's incredible so much opportunity wait until it's done and then when i started seeing a lot of the struggles and troubles they were having way back then i said okay go play it now go play it before it's gone go play it before the baskets get taken out or or there's some other hardships go play it now while you can and again, Mountain Man has has turned that around, and and now it's there. Uh, so definitely get up there, and the possibilities are still endless, uh, really. Uh, Evan out there says, thanks, dude. Okay, I'll take it if that's for me. Tim Court says, hashtag more recap shows. I'm working on it. I, I am really excited. If I can get a few things down and can get somewhat consistent, I really like the idea of doing some recap shows on a regular basis. And that'll include maybe some clips that will include uh, possibly some interviews, depending on who's around and whether they're remote or local. We got opportunities there. And then also uh, continuing to talk a little bit, you know, I bring in my, my trusty UDISC, um, you know, scoreboard, so to speak, or, or leaderboards and talk about some things that jump out at me there. I, I would love to do it. If so, it'll happen on the Disc Golf Guy channel. And um, maybe there'll even be a few sponsors that want to jump on something like that because I think it can gain some traction. 
Dustin doesn't have questions. He's just saying hi. Dustin, I know, has been working hard in providing post-production solo commentary for Gatekeeper as of recently. And I don't watch any footage hardly ever. So I'm just going to assume it's great, Dustin, because he does a good job. Um, can we talk about Simon getting second at DDO before and going back to back? Has it ever happened before? Uh, I mean, we've seen streaks. It's usually by only one or two people, your Rickies and your Pauls who get on these hot streaks or your Eagles. And to see what Simon's of course done is, is nothing short of incredible. There's no doubt about that. Lucas says granite, blueberry, woodlands, bear, and the nine hole. Okay. So I, I wasn't too far with my guesses. Um, Dustin Johnson, PD, PGA. Of course, I always want to insert the extra um, D in there. PGA is threatening to ban players who sign up. Lots already have. Yes, that's exactly. Uh, Val and Nate would be the correct answer for the 2007 World Championships. Valerie Jenkins and Nate Doss took it down uh, in Wisconsin. I mean, I had an off week. So uh, the week before, I also ran the Amateur World Championships. So Wisconsin had back-to-back -back World Championships about five and a half or six hours apart from each other in the same state within a uh, within like a two-week period. It was a pretty incredible week, uh, or a couple of weeks, I should say. Uh, in PGA events, they are four rounds with a cut, and only 75 players get paid. Um, we'll, we'll see how payouts continue to work within disc golf. Uh, I don't know if Greg Norman is running at the shark. Oh, some are saying he is involved. Okay. Um, Ray says Steve Dodge was calling for tour unification in like 2013. I was going to say then or even before for sure. And I will say it until my dying day that most people will have no idea both the vision and the sacrifice that Steve Dodge put in place to put us and professional disc golf where it is today. And I, I'm going to say if you, I don't want to say if you disagree with that, you don't know what you're talking about. That's a little harsh, but if you don't understand or recognize that, I feel like you're missing the boat. You're, 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 maybe your information's wrong. I, I cannot say that enough. Um, Disc Blaster with the typical positivity comes blasting in here tonight with DGPT is whack. Another tour could easily destroy it. I'll address that in the sense that another tour would have to do a lot of things right. And it's got to start, of course, with money. And what I mean is we've seen so many events continue to grow and build and build. And one of the first ways to get recognized is to have a huge payout and a purse. Well, guess what? A lot of tournaments are growing their payouts and growing their purses. Now, then you have to have a great course or multiple courses, depending on how many people you're going to house or, or you want playing. So you have to have a good course. And then that course has to be somewhat in line with, or on tour with your event has to be on tour in in line with other events because you could have this incredible event but if it's on the other side of the country in the middle of a west coast swing and you're on the east coast 
it makes it 10 times harder. Now, can money fix a lot of that? Sure. I mean, if you're if if you're building the best courses, these incredible courses, and then you have just an absurd amount of money to throw at the players and you're playing by good standardized rules, sure, maybe you could win over uh, a lot of our pros, but I feel like you need all of those things. Oh, and you're going to need media coverage. And you're going to need to do that well. And could money fix that? Yeah, sure. Money can certainly help that. I mean, is it possible for another tour to come along? Sure, of course it is. It's it's always possible for everybody who's ever on the king of any mountain, right, can get knocked off of it. But it's going to now take a lot of things to be able to surpass it. And anything's possible. But it you're going to really need all of the ducks and put them in all of the rows in order now to uh, take over. That's what I'll say to that. Um, Taylor talking about lots of flack regarding the registration process for Amworlds, especially juniors where the invite process is based on points, not ratings, lots of highly rated juniors, not being able to register. These are all problems. It's funny year after year. We, A lot of the events now are tough to get into, period, because we've had this massive influx. And I I don't have the, the silver bullet. I don't have the perfect solution for any of them. Clearly, you play, or right now the system's set up so that you're you're playing in a competitive season so that the next so that you earn points and then earning points gets you to a threshold that then earns you an invite to the world championships that's that's been the model forever and at one point that meant almost nothing you know you used to have a world championships that could house 250 players uh for the pro you know for the open division or something like that and guess what they'd send out a thousand invites only a hundred people would sign up. And then at a certain point, anyone that wanted to could sign up. And then only another hundred people would sign up. And there were still 50 spots open. Like that's what it used to look like. And I'm, I played in many of those. I earned an invite for most of the worlds I played in. And there was a couple where I didn't earn enough points and I still got in. Those days are gone. Those are just gone. And now we maybe will get a little bit more nitpicky or granular or or strategic depending on your opinion as to what should be the qualifying criteria should it be points that you've earned should it be should they only come from certain regions how are they broken up then when registration does go to happen should it be based on what your rating is or what your rating was or what your rating is at that moment like and then at the end of the day, we just may not have enough spots for everybody that wants to come play. That didn't, many years ago, that didn't used to be a problem. There's always more than enough spots. Getting in almost was never a problem. It was maybe a matter of when you got in and whether you were guaranteed an invite or not. Now we're just in a totally different world. And let's face it. I, I always say the most creative people in disc golf are the ones that are on a waiting list because they have all the bright ideas. Sometimes their ideas are bright. Sometimes they're just completely stupid and selfish. And sometimes they're somewhere in, in the middle. I don't have the solution. Um, 
but I know we'll continue to refine the process as things get more and more competitive. And we just have to realize, just like for our biggest tournaments right now, the pro worlds now means more than ever before because not just anyone that has a PDGA number can go sign up for it. You can't just wait around and then all of a sudden, you know, be guaranteed to get in. Those days are gone. I got to live through those days. Johnny V got to play and live through those days. Those days are no more. So I, I don't have an answer. I mean, everybody will say add more courses, add more spots. It's really tough. And, and I, I saw this of an event just recently where, and this happens week in and week out, usually with age protected and or women's divisions, uh, some of your smaller divisions, there could be for five straight years, there's eight people signed up in a division. So for the next year, they they offer 16 spots. And maybe only nine people sign up that year. So the next year, they offer 12 or 16 spots again. And then all of a sudden, 29 people want to play. That's very much where we are. I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating when I use those numbers either. That's very much where we are. And that's what can happen. So you get these people that are really frustrated that want their division to be able to grow and get bigger. But then you're looking at last year's numbers and you say, okay, well, that's fine. Instead of offering eight spots, we can offer 12. And when those 12 spots fill, then do we go to 16 or, or whatever the numbers are? But then remember, we're taking them away from some other division. That means there's four or eight or 12 less spots that can be playing in another division. There's not always a perfect answer. I, I, I'm a tournament director and and I've competed. There's just not always a good answer. Uh, so I answered you, but not Taylor. I, I understand if you're frustrated, though. Uh, do you think Bert Kreischer and I think it's Kreischer, right? Is that how it's pronounced? And Ben Askren could make hybrid happen with the help of Jomez, et cetera. He, he said he wants a million dollar purse. Well, I mean, I think any of our celebrities, legitimate celebrities could make a lot of things happen um with the i mm, yeah I, I i'll just say that uh can you share some of those behind the scenes stories terry no whatever whatever i forget which ones i was talking about but probably not uh does kenzie play disc golf at all she has played a few times uh, she's played at the Rocky Mountain Women's Championships a couple of years. Uh, I took her out to that along with my other daughter, Allison. They've both played in that a number of times. And then there's an annual uh, non-sanctioned fun little family event at a family-style course I installed many years ago that uh, they also often go out and play. But not hardcore. Didn't get fully bit by the bug, but they will. And if I have to force it, uh, Brigitte Lagerholm was uh, thrown out there. I'm guessing if you're guessing about 2007. No, I think she was a contender, but not a champion there. She won in 2004 in Iowa. Uh, did you see David Wiggins throw for dough piece on DGN? I did not. I know that was released, I think today or yesterday. I did not get a chance to go see it. He was, of course, on the podcast last week, and uh, I'm sure it's an incredible piece. I'm, I'm just going to assume. Um, he was on Joe Rogan talking DG Ray. I'm guessing you're talking about Bert probably, uh, which I think was a while ago. He was doing that. Have you asked about getting on? The, have you asked about getting on OTB skins match? I think 
your yeah talk would be a factor. I don't, I don't know what that means. Your yeah talk? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> I saw that. I'll be following his podcasting for years, and the dude is not someone I would expect much from. I'm not sure uh, if you're talking about Bert. Uh, Bob Goike? Robert? How you doing, man? I didn't know you chimed in here ever, but uh, good to see you and correctly had earlier guest, Nate and Val. What end-of-year award should be called the Steve Dodge Award? DGPT Championship uh, would be what I would like to see. I will say this. this I don't know if it's exclusive or um, privy or not, but no one's ever accused me of keeping secrets. <laughs> um, earlier today, I was graciously... I'm going to look for the exact wording so I don't mess it up. I was invited, I believe, to be part of a voting. Here we go. I'll just read the 2022 DGPT. I hope this isn't anonymous. Well, if it is, I just ruined it. Um, I won't say who else is in it then. The 2022 DGPT postseason awards media vote. Okay, well, there's other people. You could probably guess a lot of them, and I don't know if this is secret or not, but I will admit that I was, I didn't declare if I wanted to be in or not, but I was asked if I would like to be involved in the media season awards, media votes. I see a most valuable, a most improved, and then all-star teams. So that's all the insight I'm going to give you on that. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's smart to uh, put myself up for looking like an idiot or not. Um, any big sponsors could blow DGPT out of the water and steal the players. Yeah, sure. I don't disagree. If the sponsor's big enough and they do all of those other things right, because let's face it, I feel like way too many of our way too many of our top level competitors. I've thought about this. Won't they won't go play in a parking lot with frisbee rules? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up with stupid rules. Um, even if you're giving them crazy money, probably some will, some wouldn't. If it's just if it's too fluky or luck based or or whatever or too far from the integrity of the game. I, I think plenty would steer clear of it, maybe until some absurd amount is thrown. Now, if somebody says, hey, we're going to go play 18 holes at Lambeau, and they're all going to be 200 feet, and we're paying a million dollars, well, yeah, I think all of our players would go play that. But I think if you get too far-fetched and the money's not good enough, uh, I think most of them would hold their ground. Who knows? I mean, I could be bought out. I'm a different story, though. Um, will Mr. Rainwater make the Disc Golf Hall of Fame? Discuss. I think there's a lot of years uh, before that conversation could really be had. And I'd have to look at what the criteria is listed for what the criteria is listed for being part of the Hall of Fame. 
And I largely think the success of the disc golf pro tour may, may or may not, well, will influence said possibility. Uh, uh, I guess that's a good question. Uh, don't get me started on range finders. Okay. I won't, uh, rainwater has a lot of, I'm not even going to read. I'm just going to skip that disc blaster. All right. Big sponsors would want to take over DGPT events like the LWS open at Idlewide. That's possible. You know, it depends on what the sponsor's in it for. Are, are, do they want just the name recognition or does, I almost said Reebok shows my age or does, uh, and one want to come in and, and run a tour, which I know would be crazy, but I'm just saying, does some other entity want to come in and just truly own it from start to finish front to back the Johnsonville tour, who, by the way, <laughs> shared my story from the racing sausages this weekend. That was funny. Like the legitimate Johnsonville company. Anyway, you, tell me you're from Wisconsin without telling me you're from Wisconsin, right? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you guys can continue. <laughs> Dustin uh, <laughs> uh, suggesting that, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys are making me laugh with your silliness in the comments. Uh, Think Tiger turning down nine figures to join the LIV. It's not always about the money. And th that's kind of what I was saying earlier. I, I don't know what that magic number is. I don't know what the rules would have to be. I don't know what the courses would have to be. I just feel like if if they don't, if they didn't feel like their skills had them the chance to win the event, that it wouldn't be true enough disc golf to them. And that's where I would think the integrity would matter so much more, but uh, who knows? Uh, let, let's, let's cross that bridge when it's built in front of us. I feel like that's a good new saying. I just made that up. Ben says, Terry, I meant to say trash talk, <laughs> not yet yeah, talk. Uh, typo, you should get on skins for real. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I worry I, I could be just too downright mean. And then, of course, that only, even if it's just joking, which it would be, I feel like then that immediately invites like 10 times the wrath to then be put on me, even if it was in good fun that that's the one thing I would, I would potentially worry about, but um, it, yeah, something could be fun to be out there uh, talking trash with those guys. Uh, my captain's chair is broken. Feels like I'd be sitting sideways. I, I, I'm guessing that's a, a saying or some kind of clever insight that I don't know or understand. I had a, topic that i can't remember what it was but i will sidetrack and my own other topic i had the pleasure of joining a few local disc golfers uh who had thankfully organized it and went to a brewer game this last weekend i don't really care about the milwaukee brewers uh we have now american family field which used to be miller park and some of you may or may not know or care about it as the park that has the retractable dome roof which is pretty cool uh, of course, with inclement weather, the fact that this thing, this massive metal structure can close, uh, they played against the, 
against the Padres of San Diego, and it went into extra innings. Spoiler from Sunday's game, the Padres won. But it was fun. I think really the point of my story, though, is not only did we have fun you know, throwing discs and, and a halo pole cat in the parking lot and an ultimate lid doing the tailgating, I think about going to a place like an MLB stadium. And of course, because I was just that dork, I had to wear something disc golf related because that's what I associated with. That's all I've cared about, whether it was a hat or a shirt or whatever. Rarely, if ever, would you see someone or think anything of it unless you knew the other person going. But to go to the event the other day, or the event, to go to this baseball game, and someone up in the nosebleeds, a few seats in front of us, was wearing a shirt that will be played at the U.S. Women's, was wearing a shirt from that course, uh, to see a hat as we were walking into the event uh, of a local disc golf club being worn by someone I didn't know. Uh, and at one other point, I saw another person sporting some disc golf apparel. And and there are probably dozens or hundreds more. It is cheesy as it sounds. It's just been this interesting journey of feeling like I was feeling like I was the only one that played or knew about it or loved it to now it's just commonplace just to see all these other people sporting their disc golf gear one way or another. And it, it definitely put a smile on my face. It's, it's been a lot of years. It's been a long road, but, uh, it, it's pretty cool to see. That's for sure. All right. Mm, Terry, does the DGN have a lot of advertisers seeking to have ads on streams or does the DGN do a lot of work to seek sponsors? Believe, I don't want to say believe it or not, but it's, it's the, prior not the latter i don't it's the first uh yeah dgn has a lot of people that are seeking them out i don't i i know some of you may not love the commercials but believe it or not they're coming after us i don't think that's a a hard push and a sell to go after getting more sponsors for the broadcast i i could be wrong you could yell at a different guy for that if it is but I believe they're actively seeking us out at the DGN more so, which says a lot, which means the product is valuable and they want to be where the eyes and the attention are. And there's something to be said about that. Uh, Taylor says, love the response for junior worlds. I don't have the answers either. It's a tough call. You don't want to see too much change too quickly. Yeah, it's, it's tough. We've got a lot of people trying to get into a lot of events now is really what it's about. Uh, when Terry called DD fans brain dead, that was a boom roast. Uh, I, I did not ever do that. Um, so not sure what that's about. Is cereal soup? Why or why not? I don't know. Is that like saying, asking when the if a, if a hot dog is a sandwich? Hot dog in a bun? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Tim says, dang it. I was going to watch the post-production coverage of the Brewers-Padres game from Sunday night. Sorry about that. Would a fly without wings be called a walk? No. Is this the after show? Yes, it is, Galactic Conqueror. Thanks for joining. How many autographs did you have to sign at the baseball game? Uh, I didn't sign any at the baseball game. I did not. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, the, I, I, I'll be the first to admit, I do not understand the madness over the Fortnite ad. I have, n I, I saw people chattering about it, but I have absolutely no idea what the reference is, what's going on. I have no idea, but I've seen a lot of people mention it. Fortnite is a game, right? But I saw a lot of people mention it, and I think I think the core of what I understood was there was a misunderstanding somewhere, kind of like I believe it was a complete misunderstanding between Simon and Brian Earhart. I did see the final interview. Brian interviewed Simon. It went. Uh, they had their questions, and then Simon said something to the effect of, "I'm so bad at these," and then I think Brian misheard him. And and was clarifying because he thought Simon said to him, you're so bad at these, is what I think happened. And then Brian was just clarifying, saying, and then uh, Simon said, no, I said, I am. I believe that's how it went. I've never gone back to look at it. I saw it live. I saw it the first time. I've seen a lot of people chatter about it. But that's exactly how I think it went down, is Simon was saying, as they were thought they were off air and closing out, I'm sorry, I'm so bad at these. And Brian misheard him and was wondering if he said that Brian was so bad at him. That's that's what I took of it. I'd have to go rewatch it. But either way, I think um, Simon would never say that. And and I think it was a, uh, a slight miscommunication. Um, I did have the pleasure, though, uh, as Sunday night after the game, after my daughter's volleyball meetings that I then went to, I had the pleasure of meeting up with Nick Markey, Gary to the O, and Ian Anderson, and I met them in downtown Milwaukee. And this was the first time ever where Ian was in town and I was in town. Because if he's here, I'm usually not. And this weekend, with me not working the event, I was actually in town by Sunday night. And so it was really good. We caught up. We talked about a ton of things. Talked about a whole bunch of things that could never repeat here. And had a great conversation. So... Uh, it was really fun to catch up with a couple of the guys from the control room and Ian Anderson uh, shortly after the event had ended, literally within an hour after the event had ended. All right, let's see if I can get caught up on this Fortnite thing. So they sponsored the coverage for the Portland Open. My son loved it. Fortnite is advertising on a lot of different disc golf things, okay? I heard Space Invaders is sponsoring Worlds next year, okay? He said horrible interview, meaning himself. Yes, if you're talking about Simon. I I feel like Simon, and I didn't think it was horrible either. I mean, he was being a little hard on himself there. I mean, there's a lot of emotion going on, and, and we could have that argument all day long whether or not we should be talking to these players immediately or shortly thereafter. I love the mix of emotions. I understand they may not have all their thoughts together and they haven't fully processed it, but that's also part of the beauty of the immediate interview and i also love the idea of letting them catch their breath and then 10 minutes later having a little bit longer form interview with them i'm good with that too i personally very selfishly have loved being there the second that putt drops in to then essentially have a mic in front of their face in the most polite way but have a mic in front of them and catch that raw emotion i've been that guy not winning that guy doing the interviewing and it just kind of started and I've been that guy doing it for many years and 
I love it. It is truly a highlight of my disc golf weekends is that final round interview and that final, that final champion interview. And there's a lot of pressure. I, I, I know what really matters is who won, but I also know I can ruin a moment very quickly if I don't give at least a decent interview. And I've talked about this before, so I won't go into it, but it's, it is definitely one of my favorite parts of the weekend. There's no doubt about it. All right. Um, yeah, seems like you guys have got it all figured out with the whole conversation back and forth. Dustin says the broadcast should give the players a few minutes, show them celebrating, let them have the moment that that's, that's all been discussed. And I, I can totally back that logic and thinking, and I can totally back the idea of let's get this thing in instantly. Uh, cause we want those raw emotions, even if your brain hasn't settled. Um, so I see it both ways. I, I totally understand. And I'm sure we, you guys could all argue about it both ways as well. I uh, love Simon high-fiving the crowd. Uh, yeah, that has been pretty awesome. I, I didn't, he say that he didn't, he did it cause he didn't know when he'd be able to ever do it again or something like that. And then he comes back two weeks later and is able to do it again. I mean, pretty impressive who will play the Shaq Barkley dynamic I wouldn't mind if they let the winners actually sign their scorecards and turn them in before doing the interview that is again has been part of the conversation 2013 will Schusterick shortly after winning the memorial was somewhat rushed away and was brought into the interview booth at that time with disc golf planet TV. I think he was talking to David Greenwell and, and uh, crazy John Brooks very much brought kind of right into the on-site booth that we had. And it was at that point during the middle of that interview, it's, it's unfortunately it's a classic moment in disc golf. They turn and Will's like, what? And Will didn't sign his scorecard, which at that time was a two-stroke penalty. And Will was assessed the penalty, and then they went to a playoff. Now, today, you don't have to sign a scorecard. It's a different PDGA rule. However, there is something to be said about getting everything finalized. And, and again, this argument or this discussion has been had numerous times throughout the last 10 to 12 years of live and post disc golf, which is what, you know, what is the priority? Does it matter if they've won by 10 or one by two or, or is there a possibility of a playoff? Like there's so many different scenarios and I've stood next to the player for every one of those. And I, I don't believe there is a perfect answer. There's pros and cons to every scenario. That's what I'll say. Uh, which major is Matty O going to win? I don't know. He's uh, he he could easily he I was going to say he could easily take down any of them. Like if we're just being real, that's yeah, that's that simple. Uh, would love to see him do it at Worlds. I'm fine either way, but think scores should be agreed on first. A mistake would be strange coming after the announcing the winner. Totally agree. Hence, kind of the story that I just told you about. Uh, who is your favorite for BSF? I honestly, I didn't even look at the reg list. It's a silver series, which is awesome. It's going to have final 
coverage final day final round but i'm not involved and i this is unfair to some degree if i'm not involved with the media which is rare i can very easily check out and that's probably because i'm doing something else that will require my attention and the facility is amazing the event will be amazing the players all that is going to be great uh, my focus will almost will be 98% on US ADGC taking place over at uh, the toboggan course, which now many of you are familiar with, which is awesome because for the last 15 years or so, or as long as that event's been running, the toboggan's been hosting the United States Amateur Championships, but we didn't see a pro level event there, not at least on a large scale, at least. And now there is. So when you see our top level US ADGC competitors playing it, you're going to have that familiarity with it. And that is very exciting to me. Mm. Terry waiting for the interviews. I remember Terry waiting on interviews for cards to be turned in. Yeah, sometimes we have. I feel like the protocol, and maybe here's the worst part that I'll admit to, the protocol keeps changing. We're going to wait for them to turn in their card. We're going to give them a minute. We're not. We're going to lead right in. We're going to uh, announce it, and then you're going to walk up. Uh, at the World Championships last year, uh, with our with our media agreement with the PDGA, it was, how did it go? Was it Joe Chargaloff, who's our executive director, announced the winner, along with Ray, and then... I, I believe a PDGA rep stepped in. Was it was it Matt or somebody? Somebody asked Cat a few questions, and then I did, or I did, and then Cat did, or I did, and then they did. Whatever the case was, we, we kind of shared uh, the which is fine, but it was different. And my point is, I've gone through a number of different protocols, and at the end of the day, I'll do whatever somebody tells me to do for however we want to get it done. But I love that almost instant raw motion and i've i feel like i've shared some of the most epic moments in all of disc golf like if you just saw recently and this this is maybe a great point if you just saw what pro tour put out yesterday or today jeremy Colling, spoiler won the 2014 msdgc or maple hill open or vibram whatever the heck it was called that year he won that i'm just mere inches from him and he gives me this hug as he's towering over me and he totally embraces and hugs me it was the largest thing he had won since winning am worlds in 08 and uh, maybe he won the memorial around then too but point is like it was one of Coling's biggest moments of his entire career and I just happened to be the guy standing closest to him. He didn't have a particular affection for me. I was standing closest to him, and I got a very intense hug, which I will soak up any day and every day from uh, our champions like that. It was it was a very special moment. And just seeing that moment on the DGPT's release a few uh, in the last day or two uh, really conjured up a lot more memories for me. So um, it's... There's there's been a lot of those. I, I I just cannot say it enough. Uh, were you present for the worlds where Sarah Holcomb had her car accident, was late and got stroked? I there's only a few people I think that know that story more intimately than me, and then it would be a few of our competitors in in Katrina and 
Paige Pierce, but I was there. Uh, I had played. I was done playing for the day. Played very poorly. Uh, by that time, my definitely my I was not caring much about disc golf, about competitively playing. But that was the 2015 Worlds in <clears throat> um, in Pittsburgh, and I believe I had just grabbed my camera and was just going to go out and watch some FPO golf. And I was like, well, I'm going to go film them. No, no one else is because that's how disc golf media was back then. And there was no other crew, no one assigned, no other companies. And I was like, well, I'm going to go film some golf. And sure enough, I got out there and their round was about to start that afternoon. Sarah Hokum was in the lead and it was being discussed. And there was some concern about where she was and the round was supposed to get started and everything else was going on. And then we just, we got a phone call. Uh, I believe ultimately maybe Rebecca Duffy got it, who was one of the PDGA marshals at the time and had relayed to the, the field, uh, so to speak, the FPO field that she had been in a car accident and uh, it was just a, it was truly just a waiting game. She was of course, okay. And this and that, I mean, and these little details were coming in one at a time and very slowly and there was a lot of conversation and I have some of it on film. That's film. That's never been seen. There was some conversation among the FPO division as to whether or not they, they didn't, most of them, let me rephrase this. Most of them didn't want to start. I'm just going to say the time it was one o'clock. Maybe it was supposed to start or one Oh two or whatever. And they knew that she had been in the accident. They knew that she had recovered and that she was still on her way but they didn't want to start the round because they were in fear, obviously, of then if she was going to miss any holes, she would be penalized for them. I don't know if she had an eight or a 10 or 12 stroke lead, whatever it was. And a lot, a lot of, not all, a lot of the women didn't want to start. And it was very contentious. Understandably, there's, there's mixed emotions there. You have the leader of the tournament of the world championships who's been playing well all week and they didn't want to start the round for this reason out of, out of respect and sportsmanship and everything else. And then finally it was, a, I don't want to say delayed, but it was, it was held as long as it could have really been held before finally a two minutes was blown. And then the start was blown the starting whistle. And sure enough, it was, Two holes in, Sarah, and we were up on, on, on uh, I was going to say on a plateau. It's not really a hillside. It's more of a like a plateau area where the, some holes are. And sure enough, Sarah shows up, and she's uh, very distraught. She's, if I recall, walking all right, but I think by that time I already had this big black eye. And just a, a massive rush of emotions for so many women that you know wanted to come running up to her there's uh, this area kind of is where a few holes kind of collected um some tees some pins everything was kind of in this general same general area and uh i'll never forget i i exchanged some of the first ever words with sarah's mom via facebook messenger and her mom was unaware of everything that was happening and because i had followed fpo and because i was doing my best to to cover and or or advocate and whatever else uh it was sarah's mom 
who is texting me uh, via Facebook Messenger asking about updates. And it was, uh, it was, uh, it was really emotional. I mean, sorry, it's just you're you're telling this mother, and Sarah's not far off my age. Uh, I mean, she's younger, five six years, um, but. You're telling this mother, you know, she's fine. She's here. She's going to try and play, you know, all this other stuff. Again, she's the leader of the worlds. And she gets to the round and, you know, all, everything that comes along with it. You know, this is all incredible. And then and then ultimately there's this battle between her and Paige. When it all shakes out, uh, the final nine was just crazy. And you saw these shots go back and forth. And then Paige ends up winning it and Paige gives this, I, I hope to God I recorded it. I'll have to look. Um, but Paige gives this incredible speech about not feeling like it was really her world title, you know, because it should have been Sarah's. And it, uh, it was really, it was really intense, all of it really. And, and I understand somebody just put it on the, on the board that, um, you know, they should have held off. And I will say as a tournament director, as a, as a, MPO competitor or any competitor again you're torn because if it were a woman in second to last that conversation's probably not even happening they're like oh you know that's terrible she's in this in this car accident but you know play goes on she's going to get penalized and then you have the leader and now does it matter that she's leading by so many? Does it matter that she's, you know, and this is all never to sound heartless because that's clearly not my angle. Where do you get to draw a line? And and my stupid extreme example way back then, 2015, my stupid extreme example was, or analogy was, she may have been rear-ended by somebody not paying attention. She's in this terrible accident and it makes her late for the round. Would it feel different if it came out, and this was not the case, but it came out that Sarah was texting and driving and she caused the accident? Isn't it funny how your brain just like where it can switch to just with a few different details? And again, that didn't happen. Cannot be clear enough on that at all. And then, and that's kind of where I go with the, the place that she's in or if she's well-liked or not. It's not fair, but people that are well-liked and or people that are good-looking, statistically, legitimately, scientifically have been proven, get lots more advantages in life. Sometimes you're on the good end of that. Sometimes you're not. Just interesting to think about the various scenarios. So I, I don't. I don't have answers um, by any means. I, I, I watched a million things play out in my head. Um, as I was watching this all unfold and then communicating with her mom, um, you know, clearly it was great that ultimately she was okay. And it was, um, it was what it was. And she went on to, uh, compete and complete the world championships. I mean, at that moment, you're thinking the bigger picture of, you know, you're worried about playing in a world championships, you know, when, when your life may have, you know, was, was in jeopardy. So everything is, you know, with in perspective, but yeah, the, it, it brought a, a lot of questions and I, to this day, still feel like, even though you heard 
a mix of emotions and comments about whether they should get started right away or not and be on time or, or if she should get penalized. Um, I, I still, to this day, understand both sides for all those other silly scenarios that I could make up that would combat that question or excuse me, combat that decision-making. And so something to think about, um, you know, we've heard stories about tournaments getting held up, you know, for a, for a special player or a sponsored player or, a, or, you know, the son of the tournament director. I mean, you, we've all heard those stories of favoritism. Um, some seems far more valid than others, uh, depending on where you are. So, um, yeah, it's it. Yeah. Anyway, needless to say, there's there's some footage that, like I said, I I know never got released. I'd have to go and see what I did release. Um, but I know some conversation pieces did not get released. Um, it felt kind of awkward even recording them. But that's a whole other story. That's a, another story for another day uh, about what gets recorded and what doesn't. All right, I'm gonna see if I can read a few more details. Uh, or a few more things. I should start to wrap things up here. Uh, you know me. I could go on for too many hours. So yes, <laughs> was I present? I was. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I might have been maybe the only male that was present. I mean, there, there might have been some spotters and some other tournament staff, but it was largely, it was the FPO division. And and then maybe a few other PDGA reps that ultimately were continuing to feed information like marshals and, and whatnot. But I, I probably, I feel like I was the only other MPO competitor. I'll use that in air quotes that was there or was around and I was there with a camera. All right. Mm. Yeah. The car accident certainly crazy. Uh, stupid idiot, which I feel weird saying says, loved your interview with the P foundation podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, I was very, uh, honored, uh, to lots of people have been reaching out lately. I was on another podcast. Uh, so thank you to Trevor. I want to say that first foundation. Thank you. I give lots of random history there. Uh, I didn't expect the title to be what it was. I, I feel like we had a really great podcast and I really enjoyed it. And then I decide to read some of the comments that night or the next day, and I'm just kind of scrolling through comments. And then it feels like there's a lot of people coming at, at me or are getting a little bit argumentative, maybe is a, a better way to put it. And some of it was directly at me and some of it wasn't. I was like, okay, I, yeah, I can understand. I mean, we talked about post-production. We talked about live, you know, and I know people have all their different stances. And I very much talked about pros and cons to both and like and enjoy both. And then I scrolled all the way to the top. And I think the, the podcast title wasn't something like, Hey, catching up with Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. It was, is post-production video coverage dead or going away or something like that. I was like, Oh yeah. Now I can see why some people a maybe clicked on it and then B like got feisty about it. And, and to be clear, I do not think post-production is dying or going away. It's going to continue to evolve and change and very much be a part of our disc golf culture and life. But <laughs> the title, the title didn't win me any fans. <laughs> I'll say that much. I don't believe that it did. Uh, <laughs> good call, stupid. 
<laughs> it's so, so funny to say that. Uh, that is the only foundation podcast I've watched. Ray says uh, they get good quality interviews. Uh, they most certainly do. I wonder if this gen generation of disc golfers will even know who Crazy John is. Unfortunately, most of them won't. I mean, if we're just being honest, I love Crazy. I'm fortunate to have my my relationship and my experiences with Crazy. Crazy John Brooks in the PDJ Hall of Fame, or sorry, the Disc Golf Hall of Fame, in now the Kansas Hall of Fame. But it's like everything else. It's it's a generational thing, and unfortunately, plenty of people never know who Crazy John is, but you certainly should. Uh, Juliana is great to have on DGN just because of her link to the past. I totally agree, except for then, well, I agree. Some naysayers will say, oh, I don't care about what she did 20 years ago. I don't care. Well, she didn't have to. She didn't have to beat Paige. Like, as much as I agree with you, because she is incredible. There's some people that will in, inherently think, "Well, what have you done for me lately?" Or you're not winning regularly now, so I don't want to hear from you. Unfortunately, some of that will be taken up as well. Ray says you're a wonderful storyteller. Enjoy the account. Your account of events. I appreciate that, Ray and Arthur. Um, FPO Masters is actually interesting with Jen, Allen, Owen Scoggins, and maybe Juliana. Yep, she's eligible. Uh, she's actually eligible for the next age-protected division. Uh, Elaine King can uh, certainly be a contender any given weekend. Um, yeah, there's lots of good competitors, and I always get excited to see as some of our our legends of the game are getting into some of those age-protected divisions where it's like, hey, those are my peeps. Those are people I grew up playing with or against and and know from playing days, not just from my media days. Uh, Simon said, terrible interview, and Brian thought he meant towards him. Correct. He meant towards himself. Uh, Hookham hit the 4-0. Good for her. Uh, you're asking the question. I'm not sure. I I. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't want to call her out or be that guy, but I believe she's like 38, 39. She might be turning 40. She's in that neighborhood. Um, I remember when Burl ruled FPO Masters. Absolutely. Carrie Burlager, for sure. Everyone would have waited for Kale. Oh, going back to that conversation about who you wait for. Yeah. I mean, fair or not. Like the, the you know personal feelings obviously come into play with that, and and you put that on the MPO side, and you you have your most beloved player in that situation, and and some people want to bend that rule or or give them that benefit, and then you're let's just say you're not a well liked MPO player, MPO FPO it doesn't matter, it, and and to what degree does the accident matter? I I don't need to get any of that, but those are all things that ran through my head for sure. Um, Sarah's, uh, never read the comments, Terry, <laughs> or except here. Yeah, I, no, I, no I, I didn't mind reading the comments on the foundation podcast. Uh, I don't know exactly where that viewer base intercepts or overlaps with ours. I mean, I, I'm old enough to be their fathers probably. Um, so they clearly have a very much more, uh, I, I'll say updated maybe is the best word. Yeah. Updated or hip. That's not the word, 
they they just have a much uh, different approach, and they're obviously newer to the game, therefore have different stories, different experiences, and then I their their player their sorry their viewer base is generally a lot newer to the game. I feel like, and uh, it's a great demographic. Is the end of post-produced disc golf near? That's maybe what the question was. You can't trust the media these days. Uh, yeah, those dang. Are you going to Europe? Unfortunately, I'm not. And that breaks my heart. I'll say that. Garrett Russell says, Terry, I helped you film the 2015 Nick Hyde Memorial. Randomly showed up. You handed me a camera. Do you remember? I do. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have guessed that. Yeah, maybe. Oh, was that still back at? at uh, the other two courses the autobahn and uh we didn't play harry myers yet did we autobahn but yeah funny enough i was just talking about maria leva recently and saying how uh seeing some of our players throughout all these years going to sometimes smaller events and taking a chance on and or just providing coverage and shedding a, a little spotlight on some other events off the beaten path has given me so much that's where I find Randon Lada. That's where I find uh, Maria Oliva way before she was a superstar. I, I could go on with dozens of examples. Kyle Klein I met at an amateur event that I went and filmed on my 40th birthday. And he was 15. So, And now look what Kyle Klein has done since then. It's just... I could go on and on Rockwall, Thank you. I could go on and on and on about all those types of stories, probably hundreds of people. And so many of those is what I cherish in covering, continuing to cover post-production, sometimes covering events that aren't large scale or getting to know a player now and then seeing them blossom into a superstar because then I naturally have a story or some tie to them, you know, seeing Anthony Barella when he was just literally shorter than me, and Anthony Barella, I was there the day he took his first ever cash in, in Maricopa at that event. And Holland Hanley, I'll use Maricopa as another example, Holland Hanley beating Katrina Allen and Jennifer Allen and putting herself on the map at this B tier, I believe, that year. And again, I have dozens or, or maybe even hundreds of random examples and maybe not even just that they've gone on to become incredible players or superstars, but a tie to them or to the event or the event organizer or a sponsor of the event. I mean, yeah, there's just, there's just countless ones. Couple more folks. I seriously going to shut it down here. Uh, Simon won his first major when I worked a little with Terry at the Memorial. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't a major, but that was certainly one of his largest events. And that was his first, probably his, I don't think it was his first Disc Golf Pro Tour event uh, win, because I think he won Ledgestone a year or two before that. But one of his largest events, you're absolutely right. And what popped up in my memories recently on my phone uh, was Simon and I later that night getting on scooters and uh, riding a few blocks uh, after riding those around for a while uh, <laughs> near Vista and then ultimately going and getting ice cream. <sighs> My Simon dates are the best ones. Uh, <laughs> um, Terry, is the match play going to be live? Played Bailey plenty of times. Cell service certainly isn't something the area is known to have a lot of. I know zero details about the course. I know it exists. And as Simon said earlier, 
they're maybe converting the 18 holes down to 12, or maybe it's going to be 12 totally different holes. I just know that the course looks amazing and fun, but it doesn't look like as is it would be played to challenge our best players on the planet. So I have no idea what's in store, and I have also no idea of the testing and the cellular signal and data that's that's now above my pay grade. That used to be something I worked intimately with many, many years ago, and now that is that is 10 people removed from me. Much smarter people and more money. Kyle Klein is blowing it this year. Or or disc blaster, the less the the less dickish way to say that is you could say Kyle Klein is not having as good of a year as he's had in the past. Kyle Klein's struggling a little. Kyle Klein's not dominating like he has other events. But if you want to go with the dickish version, which you're so good at doing for really everything, you could say he is really blowing it this year. That's that's another way to put it. Sometimes, you know, glass half empty, half full. Uh, Wes says, I'll never forget meeting Terry for the first time at the Next Gen Finals. Super good memories. Certainly was out at uh, the Fountain. I, I absolutely do remember being out there. And the year before, we were in Colorado uh, for the for the for the finals. It'd be cool if Terry did randomly hand me a camera. Would love to film some disc golf. Ronald, are you any good? Because you you just might you you just might have earned yourself a job if you're any good. <laughs> uh, is the end of the four hour Smashbox podcast near? I feel like it is uh, lately, and it's been nothing more than just random happenstance. I feel like the last few times we we have the regular show which has absolutely no start or finish logic to it then we have an after show absolutely no attention to anything but nine times out of ten i look down and it's just before midnight locally i was like oh total of three hours for the two okay i look down right now eleven fifty nine locally nothing there there's truly no thought oh, maybe an internal clock i don't know i got more editing to do as soon as i get done here ray says terry is getting washed up can't speak for four hours plus these days oh don't you challenge me i see a book in the works the disc golf guy my journey down the fairway so many stories um <laughs> i wish i remembered things half as well as the storyteller that steve dodges that guy's memory is incredible uh, Chris says, I always hear for the disc blaster Terry drama. There's not much drama. He just loves to be a dick, and he always just so carefully rides the line of just getting flat out banned, like so close, and he knows it, and I keep telling him that, so close to just getting banned and not being able to post or have to go through the hassle of creating a new account. Just so close. I'm putting a camera in the right direction and getting focus. <laughs> Hit me up in Charlotte, Terry. I think I can hold my own. All right, everyone. Believe it or not, it seems about that time. It is, uh, it's midnight locally here in the Midwest. It's been a lot of fun. I know sometimes these, <laughs> these, <laughs> these after shows can get a little uh, off track, but I do appreciate you guys feeding me some stuff uh, to touch on. I'm going to look at my notes which were like three lines long and just double check. There was nothing that I actually should have hit on earlier. Oh, Oh, I should have, I should have just teased out 
next week i think we're gonna have maybe a hall of fame conversation a disc golf hall of fame conversation um that's what i'll talk about the tees 2022 class we can talk more about that though next week and that's all i did want to provide is a little bit of a tease for that so look for post-production of a northern wisconsin tournament called the northwoods open that's going to probably come out tomorrow and then look for the 2021 um sorry it's like it scratched my nose look for the 2021 minnesota majestic coverage to come out which will perfectly lead into the 2022 majestic coverage it's, it's like it was planned thank you guys uh i appreciate all of you guys joining in uh happy congratulations and happy wedding uh dinko over in croatia recently got married and dinko and his uh, sister uh, maya put on one of the greatest events on the planet in the drava forester so but dinko got married congratulations i know sometimes he's up watching it's probably it's only like four or five a.m there now so he's not watching now but congratulations so happy for you man uh and thank you to all of you guys we'll be up uh, next week on the podcast, uh, talking uh, probably to whoever won some event somewhere. Uh, so join us next week. And next week, we'll also have a double giveaway. That's what I was going to tell you. We'll have a double giveaway. We'll do something from this week and for next week for all of our smashies that support us via Patreon. So thank you, guys. Um, be nice. Love each other. Give somebody a hug. Hug some more people than you even plan to. And um, I'm looking forward to... Another great week and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy. This has been Smashbox TV's podcast 406. My ramblings over. You can call it a night, call it a day. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next week when you step inside the Smashbox. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 